Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Claire and Renzo Martinez. Avengers Assemble. That is the phrase that fans, comic book fans across the universe are always just waiting. Waiting to hear from their beloved Captain America. But uh, I'm not here with Captain America. I'm here with a different kind of captain. A captain of comic book knowledge and lore. He is the rambunctious one himself. Ramblin' Remzo Martinez. What's up, Remzo? I would like to consider myself a warlord at this stage of my life in terms of my comic book fandom. I think that's a more appropriate title if you're going to address me as such further. Warlord Martinez. Does that work for you? That has a ring to it. A few that more apply- syllables. It's a lot of applies, syllables. That applies to both comics and the real world. Because when you look at the people that you want to associate with right now, you need to ask who has the best warlord potential. Mm-hmm. Who will survive pandemic part two? All those things. And uh, when the shit hits the fan, when society collapses around us, who will be left standing? The warlords here at Second Print Comics. I'm going to be a warlord, too. Can we all be warlords? I think if you believe you could be a warlord, live your truth. Then you can be. All right. Warlordism is in the eye of the warlord, I guess you could say. There you go. Other than that, I'm doing great. My voice is back. My breathing is better. The fevers are gone. I beat the, I beat the COVID. I win. Yeah, it sounds like you're uh, you're back to 100% full Remzo capacity, full warlord. Full 100% warlord. Like I'm gonna go find a bat and bite its head off, like Ozzy Osbourne. You may as well if you can beat the coup. I feel like that's the only appropriate course of action right now. I would agree. Can you do that live for our patrons on video? I don't know. There's there's some narcs on there. Well, I needed some kind of segue to, to promote our Patreon, so that was it. So our patrons do get all sorts of extra bonus content. They support this program. They are the lifeblood of this program. They are why Remzo and I do not need to stress about paying the minor bills that we have to pay right now for this podcast because our patrons take care of it for us. So thank you to all of our amazing patrons out there. To join our Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash secondprintpod. You have to type the word second, my friends. The two with the N and the D will not get you anywhere. Might get you somewhere. It's not going to get you to our podcast. I'll tell you that. And uh, we do do all sorts of bonus content. We have not yet bitten any bats, uh, heads off bats or anything like that. But who knows what the future yet. will hold? Who knows what the future will hold? Uh, but we have been doing all sorts of stuff. We have early release episodes for all our patrons. Remzo rants every Sunday. WandaVision recaps with myself and our friend Dan Smots from The System is Down. And uh, I occasionally take a little deep dive into some of the books that we have been reading and talking about here right on this very podcast. Oh, also, while uh, while we're here, this is the day after I've run to the post office. At the epic crossover level, which is at $25 or higher, you get a hand-selected hardcover graphic novel from Market 
and I every three months. And I teased it a little bit in the Second Print Comics fan zone, which all patrons get access to over on Facebook so you can interact and have a blast with us and all the other listeners. I picked up a Green Lantern Earth One Volume One for a very special somebody this month. So if you want to go ahead and get a mystery graphic novel sent directly to your door to go ahead and boost your collection of stuff that you might love or may not have ever known you'll love, go ahead and support us at the Epic Crossover level at $25 or higher. It's, I think, the best deal you can get uh, because you're getting everything, you're getting full access, and you're getting hardcover graphic novels to build up that library. Both comic book diehards and newbies alike have celebrated it thus far. Please go ahead and treat yourself a little bit. Yeah, it's a really fun, easy way to grow your graphic novel collection without having to think about it at all. And uh, I think Remzo and I are fairly good judges of uh, what makes a quality book. And uh, we have yet to hear anything but good things about the books that everyone has received, except, of course, the the German incident, which we don't we don't need to recap. But we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that anymore. But it all if you know, out. you know. If you know, you know, and if you don't know, well, you never will. Unless you go back and listen to past episodes, as you should. You can find all our episodes housed at our home over at secondprintcomics.com, along with all sorts of extra fun content. Uh, there's something for everyone every day over there at Second Print. So if you're if you're a comics fan, don't just come for the podcast. I mean, we have a lot of fun stuff going on over there. It's, it should definitely be a daily stop. Definitely. So, Mark, for today, you went ahead and picked an Avenger-specific storyline. I, I find it. I find it funny that it's taken us almost thirty episodes to get to this point because we've we've discussed stories with the Avengers: Secret War, Infinity Gauntlet, Death of Captain America, but we have never actually uh, read and you know dove into a direct Avengers story. Right. And, you know, today, thanks to the MCU, the Avengers are really seen as like the A-team property of the Marvel Universe. Uh, But growing up for me, at least in the 90s, that was not the case at all. I mean, I suppose in the the sort of chronology of Marvel Comics, characters like Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, they were, you know, important characters. They were sort of a level in the sense that the Avengers is supposed to be the premier team, but in terms of the books themselves, the books that were popular, it really was not the Avengers. Uh, you know, it, it, they were fan popular, but not necessarily mainstream popular. The huge books were always, at least when I was growing up, were X Men, Spider Man. I mean, those were the huge properties, and those are the properties that Marvel had to give up uh, when they went bankrupt to get to other studios uh, to to re- retain their solvency, uh, and that's why they ended up having to go back and build up the Avengers, which they of course started to do in the comics before they released the movies uh, as we kind of saw with our Invincible Iron Man episode looking at the extremist storyline that was uh, the first time they started to really build up Iron Man as an A-lister which of course led to his movies and led to the entire MCU as we know it Uh, but for me I never really read Avengers books until this run that we're going to talk about today I read X-Men I read uh, Spider-Man I hopped over to DC got into Batman got into Superman all of that jazz but I never read an Avengers proper book until the run we're going to look at today which is Avengers uh, the Avengers run by writer Kurt Busiek, an artist. He's back. He's back again. George Perez is our artist on this one. And this is a run from that started, actually, in 1998. It was part of the Heroes Return, or it actually came, there was actually a book called Heroes Return, and then this sprung out from that, uh, which was, of course, um, this was everybody coming back from the events of Heroes Reborn. Ramzo, can you recap how we got to Heroes Reborn and how we got back? Can you do that in, say, 30 seconds or less? A long time ago, a little mutant named Franklin Richards was being targeted by a big bad man 
named Onslaught. In order to fight Onslaught, he had to send him to a parallel pocket dimension. But in order to push him in there, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four had to sacrifice themselves to get him in. While they were there, they were in a pocket dimension where their origins and stories restarted from scratch. But there was a void in the world, and young Franklin eventually realized he needed to bring his family as well as the Avengers back home. So after about three long years, this Heroes Reborn era ended. They're back in the main Marvel continuity, but there's a void. There's a sense of, are these the real Avengers? Are they the real Fantastic Four? And that is where we pick up today. Wow, not too shabby. Was it really three years? It was probably more like two. Okay, because I I think it started in 96. Three sounds good, though. And this came and this came out the ninety eight, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So yeah, ninety six, ninety eight. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, okay, we'll talk about. We're gonna get into those actual events. We'll probably do some of the heroes reborn stuff. We'll probably do the event that led into it at some point, the onslaught event. Uh, I think you have some weird other onslaught story coming that I didn't oh, even know about. Yeah, I'm excited for all this stuff, <laughs> mostly because it's absurd. Uh, but absurd is absurd stories it's, are when it's so we have like more fun. I get like listen. When it comes to Onslaught Reborn, can you give us a thirty second um, a thirty second summary of who Onslaught is? Because his origin story alone is so is kind Onslaught of basically was this accidental merging of the consciousness of Professor X and Magneto, and what it did was it turned into like this giant super being with the ability to basically not attack and dis- and uh, not not necessarily attack and change reality like what Franklin Richards can do, but he has the ability to basically eliminate universes. So he's somewhat anti-monitor, somewhat not it's uh it's its own weird thing and he doesn't have the most defined powers so to speak but uh you know one of the comics we've got coming i'm sorry one of the episodes we have coming up in the future see you're starting to do it too now it's rubbing off it's it's bad it's worse than covid um (laughs) is uh, onslaught reborn with uh jeff Loeb and rob liefeld i love that series more than I think your average reader does, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is just part of the Mary Marvel continuity of strangeness that, you know, you're, you're either going to dig it or you won't, but let me tell you this, uh, this run I read. Te- oh, so technically when I started reading Avengers, it was the Liefeld run. I was reading that. My uncle gave me some back issues in 2005, 2006. Then around that time, I was reading New Avengers and Mighty Avengers. So by the time I got to this, I finally completed like my my trifecta, so to speak. So this kind of filled the gaps in between all of that. And I mean, this is really the Avengers run where I think if you want to start somewhere fresh, this is the best place to start. This is probably the absolute best place to start. And that's why uh, we are starting there with our first uh, Avengers proper book. And, you know, you really can't do better than this run as an introduction, as far as an introduction goes, for so many reasons. Uh, but largely because, especially in this first few issues, we see literally every Avenger ever. Everyone who's ever been an Avenger, and I mean everyone, appears uh, in this early run. And it's just a, it's a fun way to learn about kind of the, the history of the characters. Uh, you got a fun little story in there. They're starting a new team. Team, and it's all under the watch of Kurt Busiek, who really captures the feel uh, of the Avengers throughout this run, and George Perez, a classic, classic comics writer who has been involved in a number of books we've looked at, and many, many more books uh, still to come down the road. Uh, but I, this is one where I think his work just shines so well. George Perez is really able to capture details really well. Uh, particularly, I love how he always does like you know, really close-up shots of, of eyes. You can always tell, you can always get the, the emotion out of a character from the way George 
George Perez draws eyes. That's just one thing that always stands out to me about him. For for me, what I could definitely say is I think he is in, you know, you, you can disagree if you want, Mark, but I think, you know, when it comes to the master of layouts, no one does it better than him. I will not disagree. And layouts are somewhat underrated sometimes, but a good artist who knows how to lay out his pages can make even the most inferior art even better. Yeah. And you see a lot of examples of that in this book. So we're going to dive right in. This is Avengers number one by Kurt Busiek and George Perez from 1998. If you want to follow along at home, these are, of course, all available on the Marvel Unlimited app. And we'll be looking at issues one through four of that run today. So starting things off in issue one. Now, remember, all these Avengers just came back during the events of Heroes Reborn, where Franklin Richards pulled them out of that pocket universe and returned them to the Marvel Universe proper. So uh, we get a start off with several scenes here. But the first scene involves our good friends from WandaVision. We have Quicksilver, not uh, not um, Aaron Peters, Actual quest. No, Aaron Peters is that his name? Alex Peters. Evan no. Peters. Evan Peters. Well, there Aaron you go. Taylor Johnson was the one that got ah, killed. Ah yes, like I merged them into into one. One but, um, person. Yeah. This you is neither them. This is Pietro. I recast Pietro. Uh, hear more <laughs> in our WandaVision vision recaps behind the old Patreon paywall. Uh, but uh, yes, we have a uh, Pietro Quicksilver with his wife Crystal, who is an Inhuman. Ten seconds. So I'm going to give you ten seconds for this one. Explain what the Inhumans are. Space mutants. Okay, yeah, that's that's pretty much. They're not from space, but they're turned into superpowered creatures from something that can. They were space. created yeah. by Pink Floyd and live on the blue side of the moon. That's actually pretty damn accurate. It's <laughs> <laughs> close to accurate as we're going to get here. Uh, so they are at this little uh, shop in uh, in New York. Or no, they're, they're in Cafe Transia, a Slavic ro- restaurant nestled in a side street in one of Manhattan's Eastern European communities uh, because they're European. So I guess that's where they have to hang out and eat lunch. And uh, they're chatting up. And, you know, Re- uh, Remzo, I almost called it Remzo. <laughs> I don't know why. Quicksilver is, is uh because I picture you being angry at, uh, at waitstaff for some reason. Qu- Quicksilver is Pretty angry. accurate description of my day-to-day life. <laughs> Quicksilver is angry that they had to wait uh, so long in line uh, before they could get their order or what have you. And uh, Juan is just kind of like, oh, really, brother, it's not that serious. You'd think you weren't even happy that your wife and sister have returned from seeming death. So I guess Crystal and Scarlet Witch were both part of those that got sent to that pocket universe, but not Quicksilver. Why? I don't know. I guess he was more X-Men associated at the time. So the X-Men got to stay for whatever reason. He wasn't pulling in those 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 sales numbers, Mark. That's no, why. He, yeah, Quicksilver was not pulling in the sales. Uh, he did not get to get reborn. Uh, but as it go- often goes with lunch meetings between heroes, this one is interrupted by uh, some creatures. These, in this instance, are the Flying Trolls of Thryhem. The Flying Trolls of Fry- Thryhem. And they are here to attack the Avengers and send them to their death. And it says, so it begins. And this is, again, great examples of how George Perez lays out these pages. Uh, So I'm really glad you brought that up because as we go through the next few pages, we see uh, different shots of several different Avengers, many different Avengers who have been Avengers over the years, some of which you will have heard of, some of which you you will have not have heard of. Uh, But we see the way George Perez lays these panels out is just each page is laid out somewhat differently and each page kind of shows us the location and then shows us something happening with a hero and some kind of demon or some kind of monster or, or what have you and it's just done in a way to show you so much that's going on in just maybe four or five pages we get a sense that all these avengers are being attacked all around the world we get really get a global feel for 
things. And it's all done in a way that it feel it doesn't feel confusing. You know, it, it feels it feels like it makes perfect sense with each panel. Like, oh, okay, it's 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 done in a way that it's understandable. Uh, you can it flows with the story, uh, but we still get the sense that a lot is going on. All done in I think like four pages. This this whole thing is, but uh, we get a uh, let's see. I want to just name some of these random Avengers over the years. Uh, some of which, of course, are going to be more popular, like Hawkeye. Uh, we've got let's see the Black Knight. We got Hercules. We've got uh, I think we see the Swordsman. We've got the Living Lightning. Remzo, have you heard of the Living Night Lightning before? Yeah, he was first introduced in uh, West Coast Avengers. What does and he do? Then he What's was killed. Deal? He's lightning that lives. Okay, that's enough for me. I don't need to know any more than that right now. He was. Um, he was. He was. Let, let's be honest. He was a Latin American token character that's killed and never brought back, and that's saying something because everyone comes back from death in comics. Man, not even one return for this guy, huh? No, nope. that's sad. That's so sad. We also see. Let's see. Moon Dragon, Spider Woman, Namor, She Hulk, Dark Hawk, Justice, Justice and her brother Liberty, I think was his name. Liberty and Justice, very original. Yeah, Van, um, uh, Vanguard. Is that his name, think, Vanguard? Well, Why am I calling him? He's had he's had like six. He names. changes names. Yeah, he's I think been, he, he's been Captain Marvel. He's been Marvel Boy. I think right now uh, he's still a Firestar. So I think he's Vanguard. Oh no, yeah. he's Justice. He's Justice. Oh, they he call him Vance. Right he's Justice. She is Firestar. Right? Yeah, Justice and Firestar. I'm so glad they they have not brought him back in such a long time. The last time he was in a series was Avengers: uh, The Initiative in 2008, and since then he has disappeared. He doesn't seem to have much purpose. He's he's left in the 90s, basically where he belongs. Uh, I love this page seven. It's let's see one, two, three. It's a 18 panel layout showing various shots of these different Avengers uh, being attacked. And what see like this should feel confusing with how much is going on, but it's not, you know why? Cause it's George Perez and the detail he puts into each and every panel uh, makes clear. I, I particularly love just the one shot of Hawkeye. It's like an up close yes. of his face with the arrow. It's just like, Oh yeah, there's Hawkeye being badass, And that's just one panel out of 18 on this page. It's just really awesome. Jake, I think this is some of George Perez's best work. And he's so good at showing you a million different characters without losing the detail of the characters, without losing, losing the detail of the scenes. Uh, we then get a big, Flush, and we see all these characters uh, in many, many panels, uh, all kind of coming to and like see, realizing these creatures they were battling have disappeared. Um, and so it begins, the panel says, and so it begins. And then we go to Avengers Mansion, uh, where we also hear a news report that's kind of describing the events that have been going on. And they say the original Avengers, the founders, Iron Man, Giant Man, and the Wasp, and Captain America are in the mansion now. They are having a meeting, discussing everything that is going on. They are sipping tea, thanks to Jarvis, who is an actual butler here in the Avengers. This is before he was only an AI uh, in the MCU. And then eventually went into Vision's body and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we won't get into all that, but we are going to get into some weird history of Vision and Scarlet Witch a little bit later on. And for Jarvis, just imagine, you know, how, how do I put it politely? Uh, copycat Jarvis. Um, I was about to say copycat Jarvis. Uh, it's ba- This Jarvis is basically copycat Alfred. It's poor man's Alfred, let's yeah. be honest. But he's still lovable. Yeah, it's, it's Alfred without the badass history of being in, like, you know, the British Special Service or what have All you. All that stuff. 
Yeah, so they are they are having tea at the mansion, of the original Avengers, and uh, let's see, uh, where when in busts Thor, and Thor just busts into the window. This is bearded Thor, by the way. Uh, he says, "But answers, I fear." They said, "We have a lot of questions, Avengers, but answers, I fear, they may ring a death knell for Midgard and all of life thereon." I just, I love Thor's just. Um, bombastic entrance here with complete with thunder full, and lightning when, and when he goes full viking that's my favorite yeah he doesn't knock on the door yeah and the way the way he speaks he, this is not the the mcu you know laughy jokey thor that we've come to know uh this is pure i am a i am just a, a viking and i am going to speak as such and i'm going to be very very dramatic and i'm going to bring thunder and lightning wherever i go because i'm freaking thor and that's what i do uh, and they're all like, oh my god, Thor, what's happening? You know, his his, uh, his cape is all kind of shattered here. It looks like he's been through some shit. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, I've traveled really far. And they're like, yeah, I know. We just spent a year in this pocket universe. Duh. Uh, no, that's not what they said. Uh, and basically, <laughs> Thor Thor is here to warn them. He's seeking companions with whom to face a coming darkness. He's like, well, of course, we're we're the Avengers, man. What 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 are we? So they put their hands together. They put it all in a circle. And uh, you know, um, Thor says, let the cry ring out. Jarvis comes right in and Avengers assemble but we don't hear them say it of course because you got to you got to build it up. Uh we just see Avengers assemble as sort of the the tighter the title of chapter 2. Uh and we see Hawkeye now showing up at Avengers mansion. He is appearing right as Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are getting out of a cab. He's got his Avengers card, I guess. Uh, uh but Quicksilver slides in and shoots his I guess they all have Avengers like ID cards that lets them into the front gate. Uh I don't know for a superhero thing, I feel like you should have more security than an ID card. Like come on, we're in a world of super villains like they clone they routinely clone heroes or they have like scrolls and aliens that turn into heroes and impersonate people so you don't think these supervillains are going to clone your your id card i feel like there should be better security at the this mansion. is the 90s you had to basically <laughs> rent a cell phone in order to even have a cell phone and most of the time it came in a backpack yeah, so so they are showing up here. They're showing up at the mansion for this meeting, and Jarvis welcomes it in. He's like, "Oh, guy, you guys made it here. Come on in and join the others." And we get a huge spread here uh, of all. Basically, this is literally, I think, like every Avenger that's ever existed in one it, panel. This is by far my favorite page. This is awesome, and this is this is the kind of art that like only George Perez can do. Not literally, yes, other artists can draw huge splash pages with a bunch of different characters on them, I suppose. But George Perez is really the only one I want to see do it. He's the one that does it the best. He does it better than everybody. Again, it just comes down to the fine details. I even love the detail of like there's the the behind Beast. He's like perched up on this little above the fireplace. And there's a a photo, quote unquote photo. It's a drawing because this is comic books of like the original Avengers in action, uh, including like the old Iron Man, uh, Thor without a beard and the classic look. And I like how like in that picture, it's the art style of the 60s. I just I just really like that that touch. It's like little details like that uh, of looking through the art of George Perez. It's it's always satisfying. It's even just like little down to little things like which characters are chatting with each other. Um, you can learn so much about the relationships of the characters what the characters are like all not even through necessarily their dialogue uh but just through seeing them and seeing them how how they're laid out who they're interacting with um it's just it's just really really fun so i i mean i think you, you said this is your favorite favorite page as well huh yeah i mean you don't you don't get art like this these days at all and that's the thing like about perez like he's he's senior at this point i'm actually pretty sure this might be one of the last runs he does before he retires but um i mean he he got 
for the most part, paid what any other artist would get paid per page, uh, despite the effort and everything. And even though mm-hmm. he's been around, he's probably getting paid a little bit more. Uh, I he, hope so. What, I mean, he I, should be the highest paid man in, in comics at this point. About, as far as I'm concerned. about at that point. But like he put in this much effort because he genuinely loved what he does. You don't see this love in many comics now, especially from Marvel. I want to say Marvel right now has probably some of the worst artists in the industry. And they they all could use this as a giant platform to boost themselves, but they don't. That love just is not there. And nobody can accuse George Perez of being lazy and being anything but a true fan. And you can tell that just by looking at the detail and effort that he puts in puts into each and every panel. Uh, you're not doing that if you're just in this for a paycheck. You're not you're not producing art like this uh, at all. Uh, we see a lot of the characters kind of chatting about like why they're here, what's going on. A lot of these, a lot of the themes you hear are like characters like I'm not sure I should be here. Like I I wasn't like Darkhawks. Like I was barely an Avenger. Like why am I here? And I'm and I'm thinking the same thing. Like what are you here? Um, Beast is talking. To to Carol Danvers, and he's kind of asking, he's like, nice threads, Carol, which I do like, this is the best outfit she's probably ever had. Um, is, it, is it back to, yeah. he's like, are you going by Miss M again, or are you back to going by bi- binary? He's like, she's like, Beast, what does it matter, right? I just want to know what the hell we're doing here, man. Um, so yeah, she, she's, that character, and, and all the Captain Marvel characters have changed so much over the years. I mean, there's so many characters Carol that Danvers have, was likable. Yeah, she's actually quite. Uh, she's actually one of the more compelling characters uh, in this run, which we will get to. But uh, we then see a screen. Let's see where more arrivals arrive, arrive, arrive. Yeah, they're in Avengers Mansion, and okay, they actually chat with a couple other, um, a couple other hero groups to sort of explain why they're away. Like they chat with the Fantastic Four, because uh, I guess Reed, Sue, and so is Human Torch the only one that was never an Avenger? Because it's only Reed and Sue and Thing that are on the screen here. Ironically, um, yes. I guess so, yeah. And he's like, I'm afraid we can't make a captain. Uh, I know we've all been Avengers, but we got our duty to the Fantastic Four, and we've got our own concerns going on here, as they often do. Um, yeah, we got our own concerns. Like, my son just sent us to a pocket dimension and then pulled us back out a year later. Don't know if um, you remember all that stuff. Not, Things got not weird. Sure, not sure if you recall. Um, yeah, but um, let's see. And then they also talk to the Hulk, who's just like, "Listen, Avengers, I got attacked by trolls. Now I don't want to. Now I got to hear about this stupid party. Don't bother me ever again, and I won't bother you. Got it?" So the the contentious relationship between the Avengers and the Hulk uh, goes on. This has been a theme through, throughout the comics. Uh, Hulk has been a member of the Avengers. He's been disaffected from the Avengers. He's fought the Avengers. He's been sp- sent to space. Um, he has been an on again, off again foe and friend. Uh, which I I love that aspect of the Hulk and his relationship with the the Avengers. I love that it's not just cut and dry. Uh, there is there are nuances to these characters, and some of them don't just swoop in and join the team when when shit goes down. Some of them are just not going to be part of the team at certain times, and and it's consistent with the characters to do that. So I like that, even though it's it's kind of two random panels explaining the absence of the Hulk and the Fantastic Four here. Uh, I like that they took the detail and the time to do that to remind readers. Yes, these characters have been involved as well. They're not going to be in this story, but we're going to tell you why. It's just de- detail like this, both in the writing and the art. Is just what I, what I love so much about uh, you know this particular issue, but th- this run overall this is very consistent overall. Hundred percent, can't disagree. You could, but you'd be wrong. So Captain America, <laughs> Captain America gives this whole big speech um, in in the uh, to this in this like auditorium, I guess, where they give speeches in the mansion. I Him and Superman are the only characters that can get away with long monologues for full pages. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And and he does just that. And he's like, look, I've rarely seen such an assemblage of power and courage in one place. Whatever the foe, I, Avengers, I'm confident that we can meet it and triumph. I mean, how are you not going to stand up and cheer uh, at this one? How are you not going to be motivated to go be an Avenger? And then, you know, Beast even says, wow, I forgot how I forgot how great this man is. I forgot how, how much he knows to give a speech. Uh, so all these Avengers are there. Um, one one Avenger I'd like to ask you about, if you know anything about him, a fellow named D-Man. <laughs> Can you tell me about D-Man, Remzo? D-Man. Pop quiz. Pop quiz, hotshot. D-Man was originally Demolition Man. He was a former uh, amateur. Not Sly Stallone. Yeah, basically, he he was an amateur wrestler who was inspired by Captain America. So what he did was he used his wrestling skills to be his sidekick for a while. So he stole the mask of Wolverine and the original yellow suit of Daredevil and uh, basically, uh, you know, Fought, fought crime with Captain America for a couple of years. Indeed. All righty. So we then go to Thor. He hands the mic over to Thor, who tells his tale. And he tells about being locked in combat uh, with Dr. Doom. Now, this is all recounted in the Heroes Reborn, the Return series, which, hmm, did I read that? I don't know. It's possible I did when it came out. I don't really recall it. If it did, it certainly did not make an impact on me. Uh, maybe something we'll look at down the line at some point. Uh, basically, he describes being in battle with Dr. Doom. And um, let's see. Yeah, he was trying to basically steal. It says he was trying to steal Reed Richards' young scion, which I guess is how what he's referring to Franklin Richards as, and harness the power of the boy Doth the White Love. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually read it. I'm not going to paraphrase. I want to read, read it the way Thor says it. Go and harness Shakespeare and shit and, and harness the power of the boy doth wield to make himself all ruler of that strange other realm in which we had been trapped so this is referring to the what remzo had recapped earlier when they were sort of trapped in that pocket dimension where it's kind of like our normal reality but kind of different and really just an excuse to give the books to, to uh jim lee and rob Liefeld for a year because money yeah, he describes that how he, uh, when he is in, locked in battle uh, with Dr. Doom, he was unable to force the madman back to the space space arc which dost shelter us. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and uh, he, using my hammer to create a rift between realities wherein I shall hurl us both. And if I am to spend eternity there battling you to maintain the safety of two realities, then that is an eternity well spent. And that, and as, the, as to what did transpire next, as to what did transpire next... Thy guess doth serve as well as mine. So Thor, Thor kind of blacked out here. So he kind of like shot, shot himself in Doctor Doom and like through some rift in reality. And he wakes up in Asgard, his homeland. But Asgard has just been totally trash. It is destroyed. Uh, the Rainbow Bridge has been broken. Of course, that is like the the fastest route to get back to Midgard, aka Earth. And uh, some shit has gone down. Uh, so he's just trying to figure out uh, what is going on. And he finds out uh, a few things have happened. Uh, let's see. He finds a, a fragment of the Rainbow Bridge. And uh, if I'm if I'm if you find me spattering around a little bit here, trying to recap, uh, it's because there's a lot of detail here, and I had a computer mishap this week so the detailed notes that i took about the issue the first issue are not in front of me at all they're gone so if you want to hop in at any point to fill some gaps feel free to uh but at at the end of the day what happened was some shit went down he doesn't really know what uh but uh there's this sword that was taken and what is the name of this darn sword the twilight sword that is it the twilight sword and uh they're saying like thor why is this like the infinity sword Everything seems to be a trend. 
that they wanted to bring. Well, guess what? We're not going to be too far off that because Thor describes what this Twilight Sword is. He says it was forged in the heart of the burning galaxy by Surtur, mightiest of the fire demons. Uh, and then, and 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 Captain America kind of follows up. He's like, yeah, well, I should I should continue with Thor's description there. After its forging, it was sent to the Sea of the Eternal Night for safekeeping. And but for one episode, which you can read about in Thor number four twenty five. I miss this about comics, uh, like you know, just a little asterisk and telling you which is you to go read it in, which I feel like they can't do as much of anymore because you can't just say Thor number whatever now because there's been 18 Thor series. This is back when every series was still in its original numbering at Marvel Comics, and there was just something classic about that. Now, they've tried to return to that to a couple with a couple series. Like, I think Amazing Spider-Man is is back to its original numbering, but it doesn't, just doesn't feel right. It feels fudged to me knowing that they went off the numbering for a number of years and then came back to it. But at this point, all of these books books were in the, like the three, four hundreds of their runs because they were all in their initial runs still going uh, from the 1960s. So this is a little touch that I appreciate seeing when I when I read these books from you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, 40 years ago. I'm only 40 years old. It's not 40 years ago. <laughs> I'm not good with math and decades, my friends. Uh, but it's funny that you mention uh, the infinity. Uh, it's not infinity because as Thor continues to describe this, he says, who, who, "Who's ever hath it hath the mystic Norn stones as well. Their magic I can sense. I and something darker behind it. And the Norn stones are just six stones that go in this." come with this sword which gives the user a bunch of power not quite infinity power yeah so again we have to track down six stones just as we have in the past uh every time there's something involving the infinity stones or the infinity gauntlet or what have you um so after all that who hams up it's this guy justice he says uh excuse me yeah justice here of the new warriors i picture him talking a lot nerdier too like uh excuse me mr thor uh, uh justice here uh the new warriors uh, i i know i shouldn't be here but uh with all these attacks on avengers and now on uh splitting the team up well you know uh, i think uh it, it could be a trap and then everyone just i love this panel and it's, it's, it's a small panel this is why george Perez is such a great artist in a tiny panel he can convey so much this panel just shows thor like staring at him like and then Captain America with these, with this like you know stern look on his face, and uh, Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye also in the panel, kind of looking back at him with a smirk. And Justice just says, "I'm going to do this joy- this voice for Justice for now on, f- for some reason." Uh, oh right, of, of course it's a trap. You you already know that. Uh, yeah, sorry. Can I can can I just die now? And he just it, it's kind of funny because it's less, it's obviously a kid who's like 18 years old. He he can't even believe he's at the Avengers Mansion. He's just heard this whole story from Thor about the Twilight Sword, and he's like he thinks that he has like this genius idea. Like oh my god like this could be a trap guys and they all look at him like yeah idiot we've been a heroes for like thir- forever we know we know what a trap is I, I we're always, aware it's a trap i always felt like if they end up bringing him in the films which i really hope they don't he would be cast <laughs> by like please don't he, he would be uh he would be uh uh, Andy Samberg from SNL. <laughs> well, no, if they do that, I would actually enjoy it. I think like that would be like, he could play the geeky guy. Who's also just overly confident. And with justice Vanguard, whatever the hell his name is, depending on what side of the, of the decades you go on, he's there. He's powerful. He's just not very, he's not inspirational at all. No, no, he is not. He does not exude confidence ever. 
None whatsoever. <laughs> but that that's the charm of his character here. So I, I was shitting on him a little bit before, but I actually did enjoy uh, the use of Justice and Firestar in this run. That We'll, we'll get to that a little bit more, more later. But basically the plan is we got to divide, divide and conquer, divide our, our, div, divide our forces, and they're going to find all five, I guess it's five gems, not six in this case, and the sword as well. So they're these Avengers all split into different teams, and uh, they shoot off. And why is Rick Jones paralyzed here? I didn't realize, was Rick Jones paralyzed? Because he's actually, what's interesting is he's in the same contraption that he's in in, in Hulk Future Imperfect in the future where he's paralyzed uh, but I guess there was a time in the in the Marvel Comics run that I totally forgot about where he's actually paralyzed here yeah, this is kind of new to me yeah, I can't me too. forget about right. this part me too, and he's just—he it's just kind of a fun scene where, um, where he is just chatting up with Jarvis, and while Jarvis is feeding like this Pegasus, the Black Knight's like Pegasus horse, this winged horse. I think it's just kind of a funny scene, and and you also see we get a glimpse of Moon Knight, Moon Knight, who is he decided not to attend the meeting, but he's watching over things, doing his own thing because Moon Knight, Moon Knight's not really a team guy, you know. Moon Knight had some problems with the Avengers because the Avengers weren't cool with him cutting people's faces off. Yeah, they don't like it. They're they're a little too hero-y for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so they are flying off to let's see. We got we got basically a main group of Avengers flying off to Tintinjil Head off the coast of Cornwall. And uh they kind of are coming in for a, a tough landing here. So Captain America's like seatbelts. And this team is like Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, I think, Hercules, and uh Quasar. I don't know. Quasar doesn't do much for me. And D-Man, yes. D-Man is involved in this one as well. Um, So basically the short of it is they land at this thing. The sword is freaking huge. Like this sword is just is just jammed inside this like mountain head. Uh, I guess it kind of looks like a, a Stonehenge type landscape and the sword is just kind of jammed into the ground. And uh, I, I, one, one thing I liked about this is that even in the spite of this whole thing, they just have this rough landing. Um, everyone's all shaken up. They find this giant sword uh, just like stuck into the hillside here. And Captain America, this is what a good guy Captain America is. He takes time out of his day to say, uh, talking to D-Man here, he's like, hey, Dennis, how are things in Zero Town? Are, are, are you, uh, and he's like, hey, hey, man, we're okay. We, you know, thanks for asking. We got we got to save the water for drinking, not washing, you know, because he's, he's really dirty because he's a homeless guy. He's like, oh, but it's okay. We'll make it through. We're all good. And, and uh, Captain America just says, good, man. And that's just one panel but it's little details like this that I really enjoy about this entire run again from the writing to the art the details are always there and one panel like this it just does so much to tell you about the character of Captain America like he just wants to make sure this guy is doing okay he's a little concerned he's, he's a little smelly maybe he hasn't bathed too much too much. but uh, he wants to check in he wants to know that him and all his friends down there in Zero Town are doing well so I, I just love little little things like this that, that give you glimpses into the characters themselves without having to spend pages telling you what a, what a great guy guy captain america is you don't need those pages telling you that you just see it in the one panel of how he interacts with this guy who, who is the other guy from uh Step Brothers with will ferrell oh man yeah i, I know here i know you I mean i'm having a blonde moment here they've been in a ton of movies together talladega nights sherlock holmes crap i have to google this anyway, i'm already on it so we're, we're gonna get you here but that's who he reminds you of. Is that what you're going to say? I think, like, I'm watching this. I'm like, oh god, Marvel's just got John a C. Riley. My John god, C. Riley. John C. Riley. Marvel's got like a treasure trove of people they still have not introduced to the MCU. John C. Riley would be the perfect D man, <laughs> starring John C. Riley as D man. Yeah, I'm homeless, but I'm still a sidekick. <laughs> Great right, Cap? Yeah, D-Man. Yeah. <laughs> so as as Captain America is checking up on our boy D-Man here, oh, suddenly appears. Oh, he was in appears. the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I just remembered that. 
D-Man was? No, John C. Riley. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 right. Oh and and it's part of the Nova they Corps. Can, they could bring him back. Yeah, he he's already only, been in the MCU. He was only in that movie for like five minutes. So much so that I entirely forgot about Make it. Make him grow a beard, dye his hair. They've done it before, some people. I don't know, I'd be interested to cast a few people in this, uh, including the guy we're going to see next. Uh, this guy who is there to welcome the Avengers with open arms. It is Mordred, Mordred the Evil. Remzo, can you tell me anything about Mordred the Evil? He is evil. <laughs> yes, he is. He basically looks like he almost has like a Doctor Doom type armor, but without the helmet. It's just this. this he's just a bearded this guy your, in this, this green is your armor. Stereotypical comic book villain. Big armor, dark hair. Looks kind of Rasputin like, possibly Russian. Generically evil because he says so, not because we've actually witnessed him do anything. Yeah, this guy, exactly. Like, if you have to say you're evil, are you really even that evil? It's almost like he's not evil, and but just wants to be and wants people to think he is, so he's got to put the the evil at the end of his name. Basically, he's Jeff Bezos. He's the opposite of Captain America. Captain America doesn't tell us what a good guy he is. He just displays goodness, whereas Mordred doesn't really even do anything that evil, actually. He's actually one of the least evil, I mean, for a villain, as we see in the st- we'll see as we go on. He's not even all that evil. He's just kind of a, a lame-ass lackey, but anyway, Mordred the evil dick. is here. Yeah, he's just kind of a dick and, and whatever. So um, these the creatures or something, something pulls uh, and specifically grabs Wanda and pulls her underneath the ground. And then um, and then a, a bunch of these like stone creatures emerge uh, from the ground there and attack all the Avengers here. And they're like, oh, no, you better really. And Captain's like, oh, shit, you better release the Scarlet Witch, because uh, if you capture Scarlet Witch, bad things are going to happen. So they are all battling all of these stone creatures. And then Quicksilver, finally, because he's Quicksilver, speeds up and takes out Mordred. And he's like, you know, you, he because he's just captured his sister. He's like, you better talk. You better tell me where Wanda is. Um, and then he says, like, look, like only a fool fights on when there's no chance of victory. I- I'm not going to keep fighting you guys here. Uh, but uh, just so you know, uh, you're doomed, okay? Like, don't ask. Don't ask me. Ask um, for my sister. Or don't ask me where your sister is. You can ask her. And then we see the real villain here, who is Morgan Le Fay. Remzo, what can you tell us about Morgan Le Fay? Morgan Le Fay, stolen by Marvel from the classic tales of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Yes, and she is a, a classic King Arthur, I guess, sorceress villain, and she also exists in the Marvel Universe because... If it lives in public domain, it's been stolen by DC and Marvel at least five times. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, so and sometimes Marvel can't think of new villains, so they go to the, the stories of yesteryear and pull them out. So that is, that is the case of Morgan Le Fay. She comes from the, the Knights of the Round Table times. And of course, and she's like, look, all you have to do is cooperate. I got this thing. I got Scarlet Witch. I got the sword. Uh, I'm going to change reality and, and do some shit here. So just don't worry about it, Avengers. As villains do. There's not much you can do here villains uh we then see she's kind of giving her little speech um while we see different shots of the other groups of avengers uh kind of fighting all over the world she kind of divided and conquered them while still uh bringing in the scarlet witch to this this certain place i'm not actually sure how she knew scarlet witch's team was going to be the one that showed up at the sword that i that i don't really know about um but regardless she basically as supervillains often do um, she sort of lays out her plan here, um, sort of, not really specifically, but basically she is going to use Scarlet Witch um, combined with the power that she can take from the Twilight Sword and do some shit, do some magic shit. And Quicksilver rushes, because he's Quicksilver, to try to go grab the sword, but he is not fast enough. She she holds up the sword and is just kind of cackling and cackling and cackling, and then we just see Quicksilver disappears as he's running towards her as the other heroes disappear in the very last panel, 
<laughs> I, I like the comment here too, because because there was a, this kind of a callback to earlier um, when Iron Man was Iron Man and Captain America were kind of having a conversation about science and magic, and Captain America was like, "Don't you really not even believe in magic?" He's like, "Yeah, I guess not, but I've seen a lot of shit, and I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm more a science guy, but I, I kind of hate magic because I don't understand it and blah blah blah." So then, as as Captain America is fading out, um, it says in the panel says, "And Captain America's last thought as the world goes white around him and he with it." is that Iron Man would hate this. <laughs> and then you see Captain America fade out, uh, which I just love. So what do you think of our first issue here? The the introduction, the reintroduction of the Avengers to the Marvel Universe. Well, for anyone that knows how we typically review things, one thing that I will bring up now is that my big assessment uh, in terms of how I look at a story is, is this good for new readers? And is this good for people that have never picked up the comic before? And I can firmly say that this is, this is how you introduce people to establish characters, and this is how you reward people that have been spending lots and lots of money and invest a lot of time into these characters. So so far, I mean, it's it's hit the nail right on the head, right straight from the bat. Yeah, I mean, it really is both at the same time, and this is kind of a a hard line to sort of straddle here, but it's a great entry point as well as just amazingly rewarding for longtime readers because there's so much in there. There's so many little character nuggets, uh, so many references that if you're a longtime Avengers fan, there's going to be so much fan service for you while doing so in a way that that's not intimidating to new readers. It's not giving you so much extra information that a new reader is just going to be like, what's this? Uh, they explain everything. You understand everything that's going on. When a character shows up that matters, like Morgan Le Fay, they kind of tell you who she is real quick. You don't need to go read whatever backstory she's in and you move into our story and it just they just do a great job uh, I, I can't think of a better way to to start an Avenger series than by sort of showing us every Avenger ever and, and introducing some some huge kind of yeah you know, some huge tale like this where they need the entirety of the Avengers to to figure this out and immediately in the by the end of the first issue they're defeated all these Avengers ever come together and they're immediately defeated seemingly so a great uh, a great start to this run yeah great cliffhanger. So Captain America has disappeared and we now move on to uh, Captain America and everybody has disappeared. So now as we head into issue two, we start at Tittingel Head still off the coast of Cornwall. And the captions tell us the year is 1998 and this town, this noble castle is the seat of government for the entirety of the world. So it seems that Morgan Le Fay has recreated the world using the power of the Twilight Zone and the harnessing the powers of Scarlet Witch to turn the world into a sort of a King Arthur-esque land. I guess she just wants to return to you know, the time she grew up in, basically. And of course, this in this land, she rules over it with that douchebag Mordred by her side. Um, man, and what a what a crazy like few weeks here. Like They're in the Heroes Reborn pocket universe, and now like on their very first mission, every, reality has been created, and they're in this crazy like middle age place. I mean, that is that is a, a hell of a few weeks for these guys. What do you hey, think? Hey man, a day in the life of the Avengers is some hard shit. It is. I mean, this is this is the life of a superhero though. You there's no breather. You get out of one thing and suddenly you're in another thing. Real recognizes ends. real. Um, we see that uh, right now, uh, Hulk, She-Hulk, I should say, and Captain Marvel or Miss Marvel or Binary or whatever she calls are are some uh, basically some, the some high class horse. Danvers. Yes, they're high class horrors here, uh, but they're horrors that don't take any shit because these drunken buffoons at the bar uh, try to sort of uh, get get sweet on them, and, and they're not having it. Um, the Avengers, we find out, are now repurposed as Morgan Le Fay's elite guards. So we see them all uh, flying around with like slightly tweaked outfits. Uh, you see like Iron Man, Namor, uh, Thor. Um, uh, let's see who else. I think there's a weird. Ver- well, we'll see the weird version of Vision la- uh, later. Uh, some of these are actually pretty badass. Like Falcon looks so much 
much cooler here than, than he normally does. And I actually really like the the tweaked Middle Ages Iron Man costume. What do you think of this this panel just showing this this elite guard? I like the fact that she's taken Namor out of the speedo and given him some more appropriate clothing. <laughs> yeah, he's a little more covered up there. Enough of the speedo. I like that Thor is exactly the same. He's just Thor because he already fits in with these times, which I, I really like that they didn't have to do anything to tweak his his costume to make it make it fit in. Oh, and there's Cersei. I feel like it's, you know Cersei is one of my favorite Avengers just because she seems so odd there that she. Always I know had, very like, little about the character. She's, the only Cersei I, I really think of uh, in any way is Cersei from Game of Thrones. This is like the old, I don't know if she's Greek or Roman, but she's a she's a demigod kind of like she's Thor. an eternal, right? I think so. I believe she's an yeah, eternal. I think she is. Again, I mean, uh, space mutants, too. kind of. <laughs> Other space mutants space is what the Eternals gods. are. Why, why Mark? Why Mark? Because comics. Because comics. And we'll have to dive into uh, sometime in the next eight or nine months before the movie airs, airs? before the movie releases, which I think it's supposed to come out in, I, I want to say, November or so of this year. Dude, you say, if you say, if you guess right now, it will be delayed. That's true. So with I'm not going to say at some luck. point. At some point before the movie comes out, we're going like to do the... I would like to see uh, Black Widow eventually, please. I think we'll have to look at Neil Gaiman's Eternals run. I think that'll be the appropriate one. I have, have you actually, ever read that I have actually never picked up anything Eternals related. Okay. Well, uh, the only thing I have is, is Neil Gaiman's uh, Eternals, a brief Eternals run. So that's maybe that's what we'll look at. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll produce the show offline. We don't need to have all our production meetings live. You guys get to hear all of it, though. That's what we do. We lay it all out for you. We treat you well. Um, and then we see, yeah, Morgan, um, Morgan, Mordred is basically, Morgan calls Mordred an old woman basically over his concern. He's like, man, are, should we really be keeping the Avengers this close? Like as your elite guard, is this really a great idea? Um, keeping your enemies close, this close. And she just basically took, you know, tells him he's an old woman. And, uh, since the plan, uh, has been absolutely perfect so far, don't doubt this shit. Mark Mordred, just shut the fuck up, call yourself evil and just be a lackey. And that's, that's all. That's all. Uh, I'm big fan of Morgan's outfit here. I like her, her outfit upgrade in these, these times. Um, that's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say about that. But Mr. Perez adds the details where he needs to. Yes, he um, does. And then we we see Thor, who is known as Donar in this uh, reality. He pays a visit to Morgan Le Fay, and uh, this is where we also see uh, the Ghost of Stone. This is the the repurposed Vision. What did you think of the re- Vision as the Ghost of Stone? Man, Vision just can't catch a break. <laughs> He's always been changed into something against his will, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really weird version of. It. He actually looks like he's made of stone here, but just with that, with that, you know, same, uh, same little, it's a little, little rock in his it's forehead. It's a little there. haunting to look at. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote, Vision is the ghost of stone, and it's super creepy and purple. Uh, basically, Thor uh, feels like something's amiss here. He feels like something's going on. He's not really sure why, and he's just kind, kind coming, showing up to ask about it. And she's basically like, uh, "No, everything's, everything's fine, man. You've known, you've known this guy for like he doesn't even recognize the vision." And he's like, "Who is this thing?" He's like, "I'm the sort of, I am the ghost of stone." And he's like, "What, what the hell is a ghost of stone?" She's like, "You've known him for years." It's kind of like reminds me of WandaVision a little bit too. How the characters like they, they kind of are starting to feel like Thor, especially Thor is kind of like Vision in WandaVision. He's sensing something's wrong and something's off but the other characters are acting like what are you talking about everything's fine no you've always been here you've always the world's always been like this you've known of course you know the ghost of stone you've known him forever 
get with it, man. But Thor's not buying it. He thinks something weird, something weird's going on. So he's going to head off to Asgard to figure out what is true. And uh, and Mordred's like, dude, I, I, Morgan, I told you this is like not a good idea at all. Like having the Avengers right here, just like what? It's fine. It's probably just because Thor is so much like uh, this time that you know he's maybe a little more in tune with the reality of things. So so no big deal. We have less control over Thor, but, th- but that's okay. We'll be fine. Um, he's gonna go off and he's gonna realize that Asgard's not even real here. So whatever. We don't care. Uh, she really just writes this off very quickly. If I was her, I think I'd be a little more concerned about about this because if Asgard's not real in this reality, he's going to go and show up and fi- and wonder what's going on and just come back. So, but she she does not seem concerned. She is very very arrogant and cocky about about her plan working out, as villains often can be. Uh, let's see. We then see a shot of the Scarlet Witch. She is being held in a dungeon, and she is basically still powering uh, this whole thing. Uh, and then we hear her. She said she is reaching out to someone, and we don't know who. At first, it, they kind of imply that it could be Captain America because that's who we see on the next page. Uh, only here he is not Captain America. He is. I love this so much. He is Yeoman America. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I laughed so hard when I saw when I saw this. I just love that name so much. In fact, so much so that I think I'm I'm going to refer to him as Yeoman America f- throughout history from now on because I love it that much. Let's not get too ahead of, too ahead of ourselves with that. Okay, maybe not. Uh, but Yeoman America looks badass. What do you think of Yeoman America? If if Captain America <laughs> looks intimidating even with wings on his head, Yeoman America will cut your head off. Yeah, he's a scarier looking looking version of Captain America. They know him as a stern man, just yet fierce and unyielding in battle, but they also know him only by reputation, for he has never been one to mix with the common people. Sounds like the opposite of Captain America, who, who, as we saw in the last issue, um, more than mixes with the common people. He's he's hanging out with this homeless guy and just like act, asking how he's doing. Uh, so sounds very much aloof, very different than Captain America uh, that, that we know uh, by description. But when we see him in action, doesn't seem to be the case as he sees his buddy Longbow, which is the name I like. I love actually these middle ages names. Usually I don't like, usually I don't like stories like this um, when they just go into another reality and, you know, cause I always feel like, all right, I know you're going to get out of this reality and whatever. So we're going to do some silly shit and dress them up in old timey costumes and blah, 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 blah. Usually this kind of story bores me, for, but for whatever reason, the way it's done here, it really entertains me. Like I really like how they gave us these versions of the characters and maybe it's because We'll get to it. But this doesn't drag on for six issues. You know, if this dragged on for six issues of this living in this middle ages reality, I would definitely uh, get bored of it quickly. But they don't really let you get bored of it. Just as you're getting used to it, things start happening. And I think that's why the story uh, still really works for me. Yeah. What What is interesting is like they've done this type of story, this time displacement, especially when it comes to medieval times, a lot with the Justice League. And I mean, I think I think DC at the time for like 20 years thought that people would just forget those stories. So they would basically (laughs) redo them again. And it's like this is oddly (laughs) familiar. So with this, it's like they're taking it seriously. This is the first time the Avengers have a story like this. But at the same time, if you really read between the lines, it's kind of satirical because they are pointing out the fact that, you know, this is kind of overdone. It's kind of silly, but we can still put our own spin on it and have a good time in the process with the story. Right. Yeah. I guess they do actually acknowledge like the campy 
shadiness of it uh, throughout quite a bit, which I think, yeah, that does kind of help help you give a sense that they're they're aware that this has been done in many ways before. And while we're doing it, we're doing it with reverence to it having been done before, and we're doing it in some somewhat of a slapsticky way, but still while keeping a somewhat serious story going along. It's really it's really the perfect mix of of everything here, uh, which is just just makes the story work so much. And again, the eyes, man, like George Perez, the way he conveys so much emotion in eyes uh, when you see Captain America up close telling um, Longbow, he just says a simple word. He says, well, first he says Captain America, not Yeoman. And you're Hawkeye, remember? And he covers his mouth so he doesn't say anything. And he just says, remember. And the the, the close the look on his eyes are so intense when he says remember. And then you see the look on Hawkeye's eyes and you can tell, oh, now he does remember as his eyes, he even says in the caption, as the archer's eyes, sh- eyes too shift and change before it. And you see him like, oh, he comes too. He's like, oh man, what? And I love this. He's like, not another alternate reality. Not again. Like, oh God, all this. Uh, man, we've been through this so many freaking times. This. Yeah, he's like, enough of this shit, man. Uh, so they, yeah, I like, like they do acknowledge that we've been here, done that, but we're still going to be here and do that. And we're going to do it in a, in a pretty fun, interesting way. And uh, so basically they, they go around um, trying to tell people to remember. Um, that's their thing. And they appear in Tony Stark's bedroom. Um, he is known as the Iron Knight, but he's not buying it. Uh, Cap, uh, he's not buying it at all. He basically like blasts him out of there and is like, "Yeah, no, this is not. This is not the way it's gonna be." Um, let's see. And um, how do they get out of there? Moments later. Yeah, they basically the fight out breaks of there. out later. Yeah, the fight breaks out later. I'm I'm not sure how they. Oh yeah, it's because Iron Man sort of just blasted them out of there. Iron Man's Iron- just kind of like, "I'm not buying this shit." Mm-hmm. He says, Iron Man, Hawkeye says, I could have told you, Cap, Iron Man's a good guy normally, but he's way too into this nobleman Lord of the Manor trip. Like, which it's kind of really fitting to Tony Stark's character. Like, yeah, if, if anyone would kind of like the idea of being this noble, you know, Iron Knight guy, it might be Tony. And maybe the more you're, the more you're inclined to like this reality, maybe the, it's going to be harder to break you out of it. So I like that they kind of, you know, give maybe a possible reason that some people are breaking out of it uh, easier than others. Well, I find that everyone kind of reverts to their natural state. And let's be honest, yeah. for Tony Stark in the comics, his natural state is being an asshole. Yeah, that's true. Um, so now, now like this whole guard is kind of surrounding Captain America, and um, he's he's about to give this whole uh, he gives this whole big speech. He's like. Um, uh, about why they got to remember who they are, yada, yada, yada. And the first person to remember, of all people, is freaking Quasar. Quasar? Um, <laughs> uh, so people start to come come to. Like, Quasar's like, yes, I remember. It's not, I'm not Star Knight. I'm Quasar, and I'm with you, Cap. And I, as am I, says Justice. Uh, <laughs> and all squire. the fans go, who are they again? And are like, who? I didn't even know who you were the first time. Who are you this, this if you're time? A new, um, if you're a newbie... And you're wondering if these guys matter. They don't. They don't don't. ever matter. Squire Justice does not matter. Uh, But just as various characters are are coming too, um, and he's—I think he's about to say it again. He's like, it's almost like I feel it. And Tony's like, like a call. He's like, yes, believe, believe you can find your way back. And just as he thinks he's going to bring everybody back, Namor just nails him, or he he blocks it with the shield. But Namor attacks Captain America. Uh, He says, "No, you're all traitors, all of you. You seek to bewitch us, to turn us against our noble queen." And Namor, the Sea Lord, for one, will brook your perfidy no longer. I love the dialogue. Brook your perfidy. How often do you hear that? Dude, this is why I'm kind of mad with the MCU. Because, like, with Thor, 
He's a completely different person. He talks differently. And you get yeah. that with a lot of the characters that start with like an accent or start with like a, a type of, um, you know, era driven dialogue. It just kind of disappears. That's part of the importance of it. And I mean, at least mm-hmm. in, in comic form, it matters more so than I think even on screen. I think it's something that, you know, in some ways is it's kind of better off to have Thor not talk like he's in Hamlet. But at the same time, it's like this is where that moment with the dialogue matters most. Yep, indeed. Um, we then see Morgan is kind of, um, let's see, she's checking in on the Scarlet Witch, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then we get back to the battle here. Now, like, it's kind of like the Awakened Avengers battling the ones that are sort of still in in um, Morgan Le Fay elite guard mode. And uh, during this battle, there is a crack of thunder. And who appears? It's good old Thor, Donar. And uh, she actually says, Thor. And he says, I, woman, not Donar, but Thor, Thor, God of Thunder, who hath had enough of thy witcheries. I say, I love, I love the Thor dialogue. Like those, like these others, I am myself again and more. I am angry, and Thor is pissed. Uh, then let's see. Storm kind of provides the cover for them to, to all get out of there. Uh, so they, they kind of escape for the moment so they can kind of regroup and uh, figure out a plan of how they're going to actually deal with Morgan Le Fay. Uh, we then go and see Scarlet Witch in the dungeon. She is crying out to somebody calling out. And then we find out who she's calling out to. It was not Captain America, as we might have been earlier. No, it was someone who has now emerged from the ether, emerged from nothingness, emerged from her eyes. It is a gentleman named Wonder Man Ramzo. What can you tell us about Wonder Man? I have a lot to say about Wonder Man, but I'm curious what you can tell us. This is a very strange and interesting character with a strange and well, a strange history. We'll just leave it. Wonder Man is as Avengers as they come. He started off as a creation of Baron Zemo, a member of the Masters of Evil, going back to Avengers issue seven, I think. Uh, his brother is the supervillain, the Grim Reaper, and eventually he turns away from his villainous role and accepts Captain America's offer to redeem himself alongside former criminals Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and the Scarlet Witch to form his own Avengers group. And since then, at some point, he died. I think he died at least seven, eight years prior to this. He died, I think, in 1988. So this is, in terms of waiting for a character to come back, we have been waiting for Wonder Man for a long time. Yeah, and then the history of Wonder Man is it's, he's very much entangled with Scarlet Witch and Vision in a in a strange and interesting way. So I'll try to give the, the brief summary of that relationship. Um, so... Vision was sent to kill the Avengers and kind of became good. Um, at some point, uh, after, I think it was actually like the first time they ba- they battled. I think I would think it was right after Wonder Man joined the Avengers. He ended up in a coma, and eventually, essentially, they they turned they created Vision by using the they they yeah they basically gave Vision this, a personality by using the brain waves. I don't even know if those are a real thing, but it because comics they are because uh, of comics. Wonder Man. So Vision basically had, uh, in some sense, like the personality of Wonder Man, even though, but not his memories. Like it wasn't the same. It wasn't like they transplanted his brain or his mind. Even it was just the brain waves. Again, I don't think that's a real thing. But they transferred the brain waves to Vision. So Vision has always been some sort of version of Wonder Man in a weird way. He, he's sometimes referred to himself as his brother. 
Yeah, they've revert to themselves as brothers. They have had on and off relationships. They have been at times enemies and at times uh, bestest of friends, usually revolving around the issue of the Scarlet Witch. Uh, now, Scarlet Witch, of course, falls in love with Vision. Uh, at some point, Vision gets his his mind sort of wiped, and that is, I think we get that reference later in this actual series. Yeah, uh, so I won't spoil what happens there, but Vision basically gets his mind wiped. He's not basically he's basically not the same Vision as before, um, and eventually, Scarlet Witch falls in love with Wonder Man. As well and gets in a relationship with Wonder Man, which is weird because she had already been with Vision, who that version of Vision was basically Wonder Man's brainwave. So it makes sense that she would maybe fall in love with both of them if it's sort of the same personality lying underneath. But that is the, basically the background of of Wanda's connection to Wonder Man because he basically has shared the same brainwaves as the first person or person, synthesoid, robot, whatever that she fell in love with in the form of Vision. And if that ain't a Because Comics explanation, I don't know what is. This is the best soap opera comic book equivalent of he was in a coma, so I dated a robot who had his brain. <laughs> Yep, that about sums it up. Um, man, you could. <laughs> that is a great summary of the entire situation. I told you all. I could have saved us all time by just giving you that one sentence. Uh, so yeah, that is our cliffhanger for for issue two, and then the cover of issue three is where we just. See, I love the cover of issue three. Back from the dead, Wonder Man. Um, so yeah. It is now, we are right in the battle with uh, issue number three into Avengers versus Avengers again as the un, uh, the awakened Avengers are battling the uh, still brainwashed uh, I, uh, Morgan Fay's elite guard Avengers. Um, except, guess what? <laughs> this is this reminded me actually this first scene where you think, you think like because I kind of forgot who was on both sides. So you see people battling and then you realize, oh no, they're just training. And it reminded me of like every every X-Men danger room scenario where there's they're battling people and then you realize, oh no, it's just the danger room. This is kind of similar. They're battling and you realize, no, these are these guys are all on the same team. They're just training uh for this battle and how we're going to uh, how we're gonna deal with the whole thing. And there's a funny, a funny talk when they're kind of strategizing here. And um and uh, and Hawkeye and uh Captain America are sort of asking like discussing what's the what this is, and he's He's like, so Cap, how does it feel to lead the Merry Men of Sherwood? And he's like, Robin Hood? No, this is more, I'd say he's like, no, no, no. I know you would have said King Arthur Cap, but face it, medieval world, small band of outlaws, a serper. No, this is, this is Robin Hood all the way. Uh, he's like, so when do we dress up as uh, like monks and sneak into the castle? He's like, yeah, creeping around really isn't my style. And uh, I, I just like that reference and it will circle back later on. But it's, it's the little things. It's the little things of the art and it's the little things of the writing here that take this from just a good story to a great story where, where every pen which could be meaningless is not meaningless it adds the story every bit of dialogue adds the story or it gives you a laugh or it moves things along in some way uh just consistent very very consistent on that throughout this book every panel matters i guess you didn't have to respond to anything there no i'm just just, in awe sometimes i just stop (laughs) (laughs) i'm just staring at this and it's like i cannot and, and you know this is kind of a sidebar like i cannot name you a and this is continuing on the marvel hate train I cannot name you a single Marvel artist currently who could go get Perez's coffee. And <laughs> no, like, I look at this today. and it's like, they could do so much better, but they choose not to. Yeah. Especially in the current Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes series, which is absolute dog shit. And maybe they're not motivated to because editorial is not kind of pushing them. They just they're happy with whatever they get. Feige, are the get, characters get your doing ass the things over there? 
are the basic characters doing the basic things that were laid out by the writer? Great. Then we're happy. There's no, you know, there's that extra sense of detail that you just, you get in, in the dialogue here and that you get with the art of George Perez. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just consistent throughout that you get all this extra detail that just, it's the little things, it's the, the little things, little bits of dialogue, the little pieces of art that just add so much to this. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we are back to uh, Morgan Le Fay is kind of freaking out because she realized that Scarlet Witch is gone. She's like, like, which of you imbeciles is, is responsible. Uh, I have I have the Twilight Sword, but where is the Scarlet Witch? And she's torturing one of these guys as she's being held by the Ghost of Stone and a Moon Dragon as well is still on her side, and she's uh, basically manipulating this mind, but this guy's mind. But she's he's like, yeah, this guy doesn't know shit. Uh, he just left his post post to go take a piss, and when he returned, there was a hole in the wall, and, and that was it. The prisoner vanished. Uh, so of course she just orders him dead, and and Vision just just I, I, it's hard to tell what happens because you see it from behind. And Vision is holding the guy from behind, and then his face is just like exploding. It's hard to tell if Vision just like exploded his face. I think that's what happened. That's about right. Yeah, it yeah. seems like that's what happened. Um, and then she says, Morgan, uh, the Morgan the Evil comes down and says, Morgan, the ambassador has been waiting. Uh, he's traveled to, all the way from Lemuria to sue for peace between our empires. But you missed the appointment. You can't ignore this guy. Doesn't it, this guy looks like Wonder Man, right? Is this supposed to be Wonder Man? Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure there because the, the glasses. I mean, he looks different, but the glasses. The, those are the thing. Like Wonder Man always wears I, these these red glasses. I don't know. I don't know. It's very strange. And he says, it says, greetings, my lady. The Empire of Deviant Lemuria extends its best wishes to. And then she just says, like, my apologies, Ambassador. I don't have time for this shit. And she kind of puffs out of there. So I don't know if that was like. I think he's just. I think he's just made up for this. Scene. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, I this is it the one part of this that, that confused me. Yeah, the only reason I think that is because of the the glasses. Because I the think eyes. it's. I think it's safe to assume that he's just one of the. Cre- he's one of the creations of LaFay's new world. Yeah, I guess so. But who is he? I don't know. It seems weird because it doesn't seem like she creates people. It seems like, like much like in WandaVision, they take people and transform them into fitting in this reality. But Mark, just like Justice and Kazar, he doesn't matter. No, he doesn't matter. That's the point. So we won't linger on it too long. Um, yeah, so it's Avengers versus Avengers. They are all battling each other um, to trying to get the Twilight Sword from Morgan Le Fay um, because that is the only thing that's, that's um, you know, helping her keep this thing together now because she doesn't have the, the power of the Scarlet Witch anymore. Um, we also find out that the Scarlet Witch that we have a little scene where she's uh, she's just making a fire and we find out that she pulled together Wonder Man's ionic energy so yeah at some point in the comics Wonder Man's blood was replaced with ionic energy I don't even know how that works but so somehow when he died um, that energy still existed in the universe and Scarlet Witch was able to call to that energy and use her powers to somehow form him back together this all sounds reasonable to me why Remzo? because comics because comics. I'm sorry, I was <laughs> muted for a second. Um, yeah, and, and then Hawkeye is saying, "Well, look, we know that she lost Wanda. So if doesn't if she, if Morgan doesn't have Wanda, then then where the hell is she?" And then and um, yeah, that's when we see Wanda. Um, and Wonder Man is just showing up. I love this. I the way he is drawn as this just as like energy. You know, it's it's uh, very much different than how you see Wonder Man when he's in his more like human form and human ish form in the comics. It's, he's pure energy here, pure ionic energy, and he comes in with a with a bunch of wood. He's been out collecting wood, uh, which. Like so, fun fact about Wonder Man, real fast before I forget, uh-huh. Nathan Fillion from Firefly and Castle was actually cast to play Wonder Man in his pre-superhero form in Iron Man Three because in a deleted scene by Shane Black, 
Tony Stark is reflecting on his biopic coming out, which is basically uh, the MCU's version of Steve Jobs uh, with Ashton Kutcher. But it mm-hmm. has uh, Simon Wonder Man playing Tony Stark because in the comics prior to becoming Wonder Man, he was an actor. So that right. scene got taken out completely. Interesting. I wonder why. So Oftentimes we may or may they... not see him come back. Who knows? Oftentimes they will remove a scene because it gives away something that they, or, or that's different than something they want to do later with the character. So I'm wondering if they remove that scene because it was just kind of an off-reference to him as an actor, but maybe they actually have bigger plans for the character itself. So maybe they just said, let's just take that out so we can do other stuff too. Because I know you know, they also had a, a scene at the end of Endgame where Scarlet Witch shows up, or she's Wanda, as she's known in the MCU, shows up and opens a drawer and like when, when uh, Vision's body is here. But then maybe when they were crafting WandaVision, they realized that specific scene wouldn't work with the story they were telling there, and they removed it out. So I'm curious if something happened with Wonder Man as well, where they had a, a story they would like to tell or were thinking of telling and they said well that won't quite work if he played you know if he did this or maybe i'm overthinking the whole thing I, possible too. I am intrigued <laughs> by it all yeah. uh, and this is where uh wonder uh wonder man sort of explains things to her to scarlet witch uh, she's like i don't know what happened I, I actually thought maybe i just made you up with with my magical energy but you're you're actually real you're actually simon he's like yeah i'm real uh, she's like well but how like you're one of us but you died like like you died like for real and he's like yeah i died uh but what <laughs> is death because in comics, comics. Yeah, I'm I'm made of ionic energy, and I thought and I thought that made me immortal. But when that Kree ion cannon ruptured and exploded, so this is from Force Works number one. I don't know when that when that existed. Nineteen ninety two. Wow. So it had been six years since we had seen Wonder Man Damn. die. That's that is an, a lifetime. That is an eternity in comics. That's that's as close to a real death that counts as you can get. Uh, so this he had been gone for six years, and he said, "My body, my mind. I was torn to shreds in that blast of pure ionic force, and I died. But there was something I could hang on to to keep." from crossing over fully into whatever lies beyond. So I hung there at the edges of life and death. And when you reached out like that, calling for Avengers with all that power, all that need, you managed to latch onto me and pull me back to life. So they are really implying here. He doesn't come out and say what it was, but his feelings or his love for Scarlet Witch is what was able to keep that energy just kind of hanging on, barely uh, preventing him from crossing over to the other side, which let him linger here until Scarlet Witch needed her, needed him in this time of need and, and pulled what, him back together. what would she rather do? She She'd rather fuck the robot. I <laughs> bet you'd rather fuck the robot. <laughs> and oh yeah, and she even asked him, she's like, so what was it? What what let you hang on to so long like that? And he goes, uh, yeah, it's not really important. And he's like, okay, if you say so. And you can tell this is a guy who like he likes a chick, but like, you know, she's got a she's got a guy, so he can't really say it. <laughs> what does it say when a woman would rather date a robot with your brain waves, potentially <laughs> without a dick? than well, you <laughs> potentially i want I don't to know, know. she rather I want, would i want marvel to confirm whether or not vision has a penis yeah this has been a topic of conversation in my household because these are the kinds of things that my wife and i talk about when watching uh, watching wandavision like well she can't have kids with him because he's a robot and like okay well, we haven't seen him make it as the robot like he could be he could be carrying something he could be carrying some kind of contraption in there that you know perhaps does the deed so to speak and i'll now trying to keep this wanda you know, Wanda could change reality to make certain things appear and disappear. And make them larger or smaller or what have you, or whatever shape that she would desire them in. But anyway, we're not going to get more graphic than that because we like to keep this show. This is a family uh-huh. program. Family family friendly, let's put it that way. Not quite family, but family friendly. If your you can, kids, you can listen with if your you're, if you're, <laughs> If your young children curse at dinner, this is the show for you. 
It's like a lot of the these uh, like cartoon movies, like Shrek or what have you. They're definitely for kids, and kids will enjoy them. And there's also humor in there that if you're an adult, you'll take it in a certain way, and you'll laugh at it in a different way than a child might, but you're not going to corrupt the child in the process. That's exactly how I see the work we do here at Second Print Comics. The Lord's work. Made for an adult, strong enough for a child. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Good enough for kids, perfect for their parents. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. We need to work on the marketing uh, a little bit, but that, that's, that's, that's the general gist of things who is our target demographic <laughs> and and before she knows it uh yeah she's like wow rising the dead really takes a lot out of me so you know if you have any ideas about this you know feel free to speak up and he's like simon that's a joke simon and he has disappeared so just like that he's gone as if he was never there and she's probably still wondering to herself wait did i just conjure him out of nothing because i just needed help but um well that, that's what happened so uh back to again avengers versus avengers they are they're battling and again again we get some awesome 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 scene of of uh, awesome, awesome panels, huge layouts of. Oh man, you get you get classic you get classic Hercules here. This is awesome shit. Yeah, Hercules looks like his classic self. Yeah, I like like certain characters fit in the time so well that they don't. They actually are the ones that don't look like they're in costume now. Like Hercules just looks like he's supposed to look, and everyone else looks like they're dressed don't up in some sort of. Don't fix ain't broke. I like that Quicksilver is like a gypsy for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. It's just it's just fun, man. This is fun. This is comics. This is what comics are supposed to be. It's a fun journey. You don't have to overthink anything, even though I find ways to do that anyway about, you know, about how vision is hung or whatever. The ghost of stone, man. You know, the ghost of stone is packing something in there. It's got some rocks on him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, basically, Scarlet Witch after uh, basically shows up and she's like, none. And Morgan's like, none of you all can challenge me. I still have the Twilight Sword and I'm more powerful than any of you in this realm. This is my realm. When did Machine Man show up? Did you know? Yeah, him? I love that too. Yeah, he's just Machine there. Man's there. He's there, like stretching out his arms and yeah, being Where's a robot. Where's he been this whole time? It's awesome. I don't know, but we have multiple robots in the past here. It's quite interesting to see how it works out. Uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, Mordred just gets his ass kicked in here as well, and um, and she and and uh, she gives Morgan Flay gives no fucks. Like Mordred, Mordred's clearly just there to be like her lackey and kiss up to him and serve essentially no other purpose at all. Um, and then Scarlet Witch shows up and says, "I am." She says, "Who's who can challenge me out of you? Nobody can challenge me." And then Scarlet Witch shows up and says, "I can challenge you, Morgan. I, the Scarlet Witch." I can and I will. Uh, so they get into battle here, and just as that battle is going on, she uh, she, may, she looks like uh, Morgan is kind of getting the better of things. When once again she conjures out of thin air, Wonder Man. Wonder Man is now huge. He is just as big as the uh, oversized Morgan Le Fay, and they have what uh, is somewhat like a, a cosmic battle here. And she, he he says, "Hand over the sword now." Uh, they are battling more and more. Uh, a D, somewhere in there, D Man wakes up. So that, that that's good. Because you can't have a big cosmic magic fight without D Man showing up. Now, I like that we never forget about D Man. Like Kurt Busiek always brings us back. Like, hey, don't forget D Man's here. He's you remember what he's doing? Yeah, we got D Man. Uh, that's right. Um, <clears throat> And uh, yeah, and then as they're battling, like Wanda is afraid that the power is going to kill Wonder Man again, and she's always always been through that shit. Um, as they're in this battle, uh, not only does it seemingly dissipate Wonder Man away, because she she kind of like Scarlet Witch comes in and just blasts Morgan, uh, and it does uh, seemingly dissipate Wonder Man. At the same time, Vision, as this Ghost of Stone gets chopped in half. So in the one in one moment, the two loves of her life, who are kind of the same guy and kind of not, uh, basically. 
basically get killed or about to be killed or whatever. And this basically sends her over an ed- the edge. She's like, Morgan, that was your last mistake. Bottom line, we're all the Avengers and Avengers do whatever it takes. And she says, forgive me, Simon. Uh, so yeah, he hadn't fully dissipated, but now she just blasts Char- uh, she blasts Morgan Lefay with all of her chaos magic, all of her power, and she fades away. There's a white hot scream and uh, both, and, and it's awesome. And there's two panels next to each other where Morgan's screaming, no! And Simon, Wonder Man, is screaming, yes! Because he's just like, do it! Take me out! I don't care! Destroy her! It's working! And then they both fade away. So the, she is seemingly destroyed both Morgan Lefay and, again, her love, sort of love something of Simon of Wonder Man. And then poof, we are back. Everybody's back. Uh, we're all back to normal. They're all there um, at that original same mound where the original battle took place. And they're all, they're all excited. We're back in the modern day. Everything's great. And as, uh, and then now that Scarlet, Witch is heading to vision who has been completely cut in half. He's still, you know, luckily he's a robot. So you can kind of recover from that. And then vision says, Wanda, I'm going to say it like uh, Paul Bettany, Wanda in the sky. What's that? That energy, that energy. <laughs> that was a terrible Paul Bettany. I didn't my best. That was good. Um, that was actually good. That was oh, okay, uh, that's good to know. And uh, maybe I can do that impression at parties someday, uh, if parties ever exist again. That energy—it's—it's it's Simon. It's Simon, and you kind of see a little bit of that uh, that uh, ionic energy just sort of fading away. Uh, then we see uh, Thor hoisting the Twilight Sword. He is going to go take it back off uh, to its rightful rightful place. Um, and yeah, that is basically the end of the day. Uh, but then Beast says, you know, we, we have a question here. We have a little issue. What are we going to do with 39 Avengers? So that is our cliffhanger leading into the next issue. Uh, but what did you just think with, uh, before the next issue is where we're going to find out what the new Avengers lineup is. So I wanted to include that one uh, in this. But what did you just think of this initial story overall, this arc of uh, this is the kind of story, again, like I said, I don't normally really enjoy this kind of displaced from time stuff um but because it didn't drag on here it was very brief like the characters start waking up like yeoman america starts waking up as soon as we meet him so uh, you know because they didn't get bogged down in it for too long and had a lot of fun with it it totally worked for me i mean it was done within two issues uh once they go to the to the middle ages where a lot of stories you would see this would drag on four five six issues uh which which definitely would have bored me freaking exo swords which was a recent oh. x-men event was 22 yeah parts oh my god yeah um yeah i mean we don't, we don't talk it, about hickman's x-men anymore no. um <laughs> i mean what i love about this is this sh- it it shines back to the older eras of the avengers while at the same time bringing a ton of new characters so you would not typically see interact with each other which also kind of foreshadows what's coming uh later in in the series and other avenger series to come after that um it's it's just fun and I mean, this is a this is a story where it's like it, it doesn't have big grand repercussions across the Marvel universe, but this is a great team up story. Uh, I do have some criticisms I'm gonna leave for my rating later, but for the most part, like this is fun, like this is quirky, yeah. this is serious at times. But what they've done is they've been able to really show you what makes the Avengers different which is when the Avengers come together, serious shit is happening, whether it's as serious as like an Infinity Gauntlet event or a Secret War or something like that or something as you know trivial as this. It, it's big. It's bold. This is where the Marvel Universe is supposed to shine. Yeah, that's what I love about this. It's, it, it feels like it almost has the gravity of an Infinity Gauntlet while being fun. And fin- Infinity Gauntlet is fun as well, but it's it's a different kind of fun. It's it's fun that it feels serious. It feels like a big story the whole time. There's not that much kind of room for humor and, and like like kind of slapsticky fun, whereas in this story there is. And I really love, too, I didn't really mention it, but uh, after they 
you know, they had that conversation between Hawkeye and Captain America about whether this is King Arthur, but and Hawkeye saying no, it's really Robin Hood. Uh, they actually do end up dressing up like monks uh, to to get into the castle, which I really liked. After Captain America's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. After they make a, a joke about that, so just so much fun in these in these issues, and I, the fact that they didn't get bogged down into this universe for too long made it all work for me. We just get right to people waking up, other characters waking up, Wonder Man shows up. I mean, you don't you don't have a minute to to breathe and and get bored. There's no chance to get bored because everything just keeps moving here. Especially like right now, like for a while, there were a bunch of Avengers series kind of jumbled together. You've got the Avengers, then you had West Coast Avengers, West Coast Avengers. I, I really, really freaking love that series. But then you had Force Works, and then you had a bunch of the solo Avengers Presents series. What was Force Works? Like I remember the a title, mistake. but I don't remember Force Works, anything. About- Force, Force Works was a mistake. That's all you need to know. It was a mistake. And Wonder Man died. And Wonder Man died. In the first all, issue. The only right now. And didn't come back for six years. All right. So now we'll move on to Avengers number four. And by the way, uh, like I mentioned, this run goes on for a long time. And I, I know I read this run for quite a plus issues. Five, well, no, I don't. I don't just wait. What do you mean? 500 plus issues of, of Avengers overall or of this of, of this current of this of this. Oh, this volume. Yeah, goes this for volume. Yeah. How is that possible? Because it went on from 98 till 2003. But how do you even get 500 issues? I'm sorry, issues? Was no, it by, like, was like it... 2006, actually. That doesn't seem right. It goes on for a long-ass time, Mark. <laughs> that doesn't seem possible, though. No, I, I'm but pull, you're I'm wrong. pulling it up. Uh, yeah, you're, you're completely wrong because because there are there are there are comics running from the 60s to the 90s that still have not hit. The last issue of this Avengers what? is issue 503 by what? Brian Michael Bendis and David Finch on December 1st, 2004. How did they get to the... Oh, now I see I know what they did. I know what they did. They did did the thing. They did the thing. The number thing, where they go from issue 82 to issue 500. Just, oh, I feel feel so wrong. Yeah, that's dirty. I hate it when they do that. So I guess, basically, I hate that stuff, too. It's like, just pick one. Either restart the numbering or not. But I guess, so this, so basically what they did, they ran this run for whatever long, long time. I think it was, I'm not sure how long Busick and, and George Perez stayed on it, but it was quite a while. It was much longer than you think. Like, George Perez was still drawing this in 2000. So they did at least, I think they did the first 25 issues. So that seems 98 to, be what it is. to 2004, that's still a good run. Like, six years. That's still a great a one. A lot of yeah. stories don't get that. But even just this run alone, uh, let's see, was was George Perez was still on it at 20? and Kurt Busiek. Yeah, so they went, they did issues one through 25 together and I can tell you right now, I've had so much fun reading this. I'm I'm going to do a Claire's Continues for our Patreon at some point because I'm I'm gonna, I'm continuing with this run because I just I can't put it down like I it's it's bringing back so many memories about what I loved about this run what I love about George Perez's art what I love about these characters and I I, I know I collect, I don't know if I collected all 25 issues but I know I did I, I have back at the uh, back at the old back at the uh, what do I call it back at the old Connecticut Vault of Comics I have a good chunk of this run so I'm going to keep reading this thing I, I think I'm going to read all the way to 25 and just and just recapture the whole run so uh, look for that Patreon. And if you want to be a patron, patreon.com slash second print pod. And you'll hear me talk about further adventures of this group of adventures of, of Avengers, <laughs> adventures of Avengers. And of course, they do get the the one like there's long term storytelling here because the Wonder Man and Vision stuff comes back and comes to a head uh, like two years into this run. And it's the seeds are planted right here. So I, I just love it's a rare thing. I talked about this last episode It's a rare thing to see a lot of consistency, um, like long term storyline telling in Marvel and DC, just because they're always changing writers and artists and that and editors and that sort of thing it's really hard to do but 
as close to, as as to that you can get, you get in the 25 issues of this run. They do really plant seeds in these first issues that that do pay off uh, towards the end of the run. So highly recommend this entire run. Uh, but until then, let's finish this one up by looking at Avengers number four. Again, Kurt Busiek and George Perez. And we start things off with a big battle with a lame-ass villain called Whirlwind that George Perez somehow makes look cool because that's how cool of a freaking artist he is. Uh, but Whirlwind is robbing a bank and who shows up? The Avengers, all freaking 39 of them because they're just all, I guess they've all, they we're all hanging out at the mansion still when this thing went down. Um, but what happens here is there's actually like too many Avengers. So some shit kind of goes wrong. Like uh, Star Fox almost gets some stuff. Like, like they blow off uh, Machine Man's arms, which luckily he doesn't seem to feel pain from that. So he's okay. Like Binary blows off his arm. Binary slash Miss Marvel, whatever you want to call her. Um, he's like, she's like, oh shit, sorry. Likeable Carol yeah, like, Danvers. That's yeah. why I call her likeable, likeable Carol Danvers. Carol Danvers. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, and she's like, well, our apologies, uh, our apologies, sir. Black Panther's like talking to the bank guys like because uh, all, all this shit is destroyed. But basically what it comes down to is a lot. Some people got hurt. Some shit was destroyed that didn't need to because they had too many Avengers. They had 39 super powered heroes here just stopping one bank robbery. Um, so and then, then the, the bank guy is like, what is this amateur hour? What's going on here? You're the Avengers. I, you I destroyed all this shit. real fast. Yeah. And this is one thing that does actually piss me off. I feel that. Black Panther has always been one of the most underappreciated Avengers because at this point in time, T'Challa is actually bankrolling the whole thing because Tony Stark has not financed the Avengers at this point for over a decade and a half when he lost Stark Industries. He loses Stark Industries in a corporate buyout by Obadiah Stane. He starts uh, Circus Circ- Circuits Maximus, a uh, competitor company. Then he gets Stark Enterprises back, but because it's been in shambles, he can't afford to finance the Avengers. So T'Challa, Black Panther, is financing it this entire time, and he rarely gets enough time in the actual comic to feel substantial enough. So it's one of those situations where it's like, yeah, we'll bring you in a cameo. Uh, you know, we like your money, but this is as good as we're going to get. I, that, that part always pissed me off. I always felt like he should have had a more substantial role in, in the main Avengers team, especially since there was never a point where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm done financing it now. It's like it, it was in perpetuity until like the er, mid 2000s, like when the new Avengers come in and then Iron Man starts doing it. So in theory, he is he is financing this version of the Avengers. Yeah. And doesn't even get to be part of the team that yeah. <laughs> that des- that decides who's in it. Yeah, I think that he came up right. with a reason where it's like, well, I'm too busy by believing the in the mission of the Avengers and call me whenever you need me. But it's one of those things where it's like that's a big freaking deal. Yeah, but he should he should still be able to choose who's on the team then if he's paying for the thing. That's he gets he should get a seat at the table, but he doesn't. Now yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, that's racist. Yeah, that's, I'm gonna assume it is representation, yo. Yeah, maybe that's why. Okay, so so now we 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 see the original uh, founders, the founders of the Avengers, who are actually just the original founders themselves are just Hank Pym, Ant Man, or he's Giant Man in this version, uh, Janet Van Dyne, who is the Wasp, Iron Man, and Thor, plus Captain America. But there, he was not actually a founder. They just voted him in as the founder after they kicked the Hulk out because he actually wasn't in the very very original. He Avengers he team. appeared back in main Marvel continuity in Avengers issue four in nineteen sixty six. 
Yep, so, so not technically an original adventure, but pretty darn close to it. Um, so it's these are the group that are going to basically decide who is uh, allowed, uh, who's, who's going to be part of this final this final team. And they're meeting with this guy, Dwayne Jerome Freeman, who is their new government liaison. And they kind of reference, like, man, this, are you sure this guy's from the government? Because he's really nice, and he's, he actually seems to know what he's doing. Because I guess the last liaison was like uh, Henry Peter Gyrick, uh, who kind of we dick. know from many, many. He's kind of a dick. Kind of an asshole. Um, so they go through the, they're kind of going through the lineup and it's time to choose a new team. Um, they, they said they, they lost eight people already that decided to opt out. And they think it's, it's funny to me. They kind of go through these people. Like, are these really, were these guys really going to make the team? They're like, they're like, oh yeah, Stingray went back to his oceanographic Ocean, research. Uh, Sandman returned to his job with Silver Sable Inc. Cause I guess Sandman was a hero here and not he, he a villain was, anymore. Uh, he was a was Avengers a reservist along yeah. with Spider-Man. <laughs> Yeah. Right we, and then this. Photon, Firebird, Darkhawk said he's going to stay a local hero in Queens. Like, oh, oh, thank God. No, no. What are we going to do without Darkhawk? Hey, man, Darkhawk <laughs> was actually cool. Dark Darkhawk yeah, I mean, is one of those characters where it's like there's so much potential, but they ruined it. Yeah. And apparently the Living Lightning is a, a professor at US, or I don't know if he's a professor or a student. He said Living Lightning is going to return to his classes at UCLA. I don't know if he's a student or professor, and I'll tell you what, I am not going to take the time to find out. No one cares. At all. Uh, the only character of significance here they mention in these eight that they aren't going to be joining the team for sure is Black Widow, and they just say, well, she left without explanation. So we'll see where that goes. Um, but as we can tell from this run, nothing is done without accident. Nothing is done without purpose. Um, so keep that in the back of your minds. Not for this issue, but if you want to continue the run with me, these things are going to come up again. And that's, what again, just something I love about this run. One thing I just got to point out, because I've noticed it several times, I don't know what it is about the way George Perez draws Iron Man's face and his eyes is my favorite Iron Man. Like, it's just something about the way, like, I always see Iron Man is so generic uh, visually because it's just, okay, there's a robot. I actually feel like I can see Tony Stark inside, like, through Iron Man the way George Perez draws him. I think he does the best Iron Man. I, I always thought that was unique about it. And, I mean, we talk about the eyes so often, but, like, really, the eye, what, what I like about Perez, and, I, you know, this will be a criticism for later, so I don't want to go too much into it. It's like, let the art carry the story. And he does it in the most subtle of ways. Absolutely, throughout throughout this and all of his work, really. But I think this is one of the one of the better examples of of the detail that George Perez uh, puts into things. Yep. Um, we then see we cut to a uh, Scarlet Witch. Um, Okay, but I should I should say there. And at the end of this meeting, basically they decide like Hank and Janet they're going to go off and, and do some other shit. So basically, Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America are going to stay as the core of the team, uh, which leaves four spots because they have I guess just randomly decided there's going to be seven Avengers. I'm not really sure why, but that that was what they came to. And they also say Captain America also says, well, you know, Vision and Scarlet Witch deserve to be on the team because look at all the shit they just went through. Like like Scarlet Witch saved the day and Vision got chopped in half. So we're just going to invite them back onto the team too. So now. They've decided on five of the teams, so basically there's two more spots left that they have to figure out. I just think it's funny in the dialogue between Captain America and the Wasp as they're discussing why her and Giant Man are leaving. She alludes to the fact that uh, they used to be married and that, you know, with a smile, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, he's a little gun shy after what happened last time. It's like, last time, why are you making a joke out of it? He beat the shit out of you. Yeah, it's that, that was what they were referencing, huh? That's what they were referencing. Yeah, yeah this, there's some dark stuff in Marvel, including the history of Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, uh, that you'll probably never see referenced in the MCU yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Especially now that no it's a one Disney is hitting project. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, uh, spousal abuse was a thing back then, and it was apparently not a big deal. Disney's <laughs> not going to want to get into that. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think Disney's going to be repurposing that aspect of the Avengers story anytime soon. Uh, we then see Scarlet Witch is basically, I, I love how they do this, they show Vision being rebuilt in this like nanotech fluid that was uh, provided by this, uh, Tony Stark, but Vision's rebuilding himself, so it's his brain controlling all the stuff that's rebuilding himself. Uh, so I like that, and then she says, she gets the shit scared out of her when suddenly Vision appears behind her, but it's Vision as a hologram, so I guess he can project a hologram of himself. This is this felt very Dr. Manhattan to me of, her, of him when he just of a different version of him appears somewhere and scares somebody else, uh, scares scares the lover. So she's kind of freaked out for a second, but you know it's okay. And now they they have a little talk here, and uh, Vision casually just says their marriage is over because he had died and he's not that same Vision. So this is a a point in the comics when Vision had died and now this version of Vision was kind of rebuilt, but without the without the memories from before and without the 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 Simon brainwaves, the Simon Wonder Man brainwaves. Uh, so this is. It's Vision's body, but it's kind of not the same Vision. Uh, so he just says, look, our, our marriage, he casually says, because he's a robot with no emotions, uh, their marriage is over because he died and he's not that Vision. And, and she's basically just like, no, that you can't, like, like, you're ready when I'm not, I'm ready when you're not, I just can't do this anymore. You say we're not married, you say I'm a widow, fine, I'll accept that. And and she and so he just kind of like storms off and he's like, Wanda, in my Paul Bettany, but Wanda, Wanda. <laughs> uh, but what do you expect? You just told her your marriage is over. like, <laughs> But he's a robot so maybe he's doesn't really understand how humans are going to react if he's still a man and he's letting that walk away there's something wrong with him i think that proves that he's not a man exactly <laughs> that that it's all gone he is pure robot if you can let that just walk away no from dick you, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess that marriage is over, but they're both going to be Avengers now. Um, let's see. We also learned there's going to be no She-Hulk. This is like a series of press conferences we see where various characters are, are saying why they're not. Like she's like, no, I'm just going to go uh, be a be with Heroes for Hire as their lawyer. Uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are going to do other stuff. So slowly we see like the characters dropping themselves out of contention. Uh, we then see a conversation between Beast and Carol Danvers, uh, where he's like running these experiments on her, and it basically like basically she's becoming less power like her powers are decreased it's just uh this is just another kind of seed planted for future storylines we're gonna get uh with this with this version of the avengers with this run of the avengers um where where that's going um let's see wanda is also uh we see her kind of sitting around daydreaming about wonder man so it did not take her very long like to get minutes. over <laughs> like, like, like the very next scene minutes yeah, so she's she's upset about uh, Vision, so upset that she's immediately dreaming of her ionic other love who sort of shares the brainwaves of the Vision she used to love. And she kind of like, you kind of see him sort of starting to appear in the window. And then as she turns around, uh, he disappears. She never sees him. So there's there's hints here again that uh, Wonder Man is, is not fully gone. He is still existing uh, ionically in, in some way, shape or form. So she's got next? problems. Maybe uh, Wanda's yeah, got the problem. Maybe Wanda is the problem. Maybe maybe the maybe Vision and Wendy just need to bond and realize who the real issue is. You know, one relationship getting sabotaged by one thing is both parties' faults. When it's a second, you got to start seeing that there might be a trend here. Maybe this maybe this chick is bad luck. Maybe it's time to try someone dating someone with some different brainwaves. Human. <laughs> physically human yeah maybe human or not made of ionic energy you know just like a real a regular flesh and blood person that might be an idea but you know love is love you can't really you can't really argue with it at the end of the day uh we continually we continually find more and more characters Uh, this kind of made the avengers seem lame to me like more like when these c and d list characters are like nah we got better shit to do like even machine man's like my interest is more in humans and human interaction than an adventure but if you need me they're all basically like if you need me call me but 
but mm, nah. And yeah, and then Black Panther says, my duty is called back to Wakanda, and I, I must admit, I go with a glad heart, but I'm sure our paths will cross again. Aren't you funding the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, so I don't know. Is he supposed to be funding off. it? Well, they never said he at least stopped. It. Yeah, I think that's so something I, worth I mentioning. Know. Where's the moolah? Hey, man, Quinjets do not fuel themselves. Yeah, and then uh, as this meeting is, is wrapping up here, um, let's see. So they got five members and plenty of volunteers. So now they're starting to freak out. They're like, man, I don't know. Like like Hank and Janet are like, do we need to stick around? Are we even going to find two more? Like, Because everybody doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with us. They all got better shit to do now that we you know, had our little Middle Ages adventure. And Cap's like, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. We have like we have five members and tons of volunteers, and we haven't even had seen Hawkeye yet, so he, he's going to come back in. I should mention at some point, uh, there was like a report on the news of um, some kind of ro- robbery again, and then Justice and Firestar went out to go take care of it. Uh, we also see, I love this too. D Man's taken off too. He even even D Man has too much shit going on to join the Avengers. He would literally rather be homeless. Yeah, and he just takes some groceries from the kitchen from Jarvis and takes off and just he leaves through the sewer, and that's the last we see of D Man. So adios, D Man. That is such a John um, and- C. Riley thing right there. Couldn't you imagine it? Hey guys. I'm just going to take some groceries. Yeah. I'll talk to yep, you later. Yeah. Oh, man. Now I really want to see John C. We should start this campaign Bring somehow. <laughs> Bring back John C. Riley as D-Man. That'd be amazing. And uh, apparently Star Fox is heading off to have a threesome with Tiger and Moondragon. <laughs> At least that's what, what it seems go. like. Uh, Tiger is right. And they were flirting earlier. So there's an implication of something going on here. Uh, I know nothing about ca- the character of Tiger. She just seems like a, a fake cheetah, she a lame is, cheetah. She is literally just super slutty cheetah. And I'm not okay, slut shaming her. She owns it. Of course not. No, she does own it. She's like, yeah, the pleasure palaces of Deneb 7, big boy. Let's go. And then Moondragon's like, do you know where Deneb 7 is? Uh, and, and like, like, do you even know where that is? I would never step foot in these fl- in these flesh pits, Tigra. I, I, and now that I think about it, they may be the perfect place for you. So I guess, so she, she breaks away from them. Uh, so yeah, I guess I guess Star Fox and Tigra are going to go get to go to Orgy Town here in the flesh pits of Deneb 7. She has a half Tiger, half Skrull baby now, so she's not fun anymore. <laughs> Ever since she became a mom. Mm-hmm. We then we then get a scene here. Uh, this is interesting, too. Now, uh, Car- they show Carol Danvers uh, behind the bar, uh, just like trying to think of her new name. She's like, Thunderbolt, now that's taken. Liberator, now clunky. Harrier, now that's taken. Hmm, what should I be? Oh, look at this bottle. And she's looking at, uh, looking just like through different alcohols. Um, she's like holding a bottle of liquor. And then um, she hears, <clears throat> and it's Tony Stark. And she's like, oh, Iron Man. Hey, or I'm not sure. Do they know? They don't know Tony's Iron Man yet, right? They just know he's Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, I think at this point. So yeah, he's like, Iron Man, what's up? It's like, oh, we're ready. Are you, are you ready? The, for the meeting you're ready to take you in um she's like oh yeah yeah, yeah sure i was just uh, making sure we're all stocked up with liquor here uh yeah yeah and basically tony is uh like thinking to himself she's like he's like i didn't think it was that weird she was behind the bar but it's weird the way she reacted to it and this is someone who is an out has been an alcoholic in in the comics so you know it takes one to know one so tony is suspicious now thinks that there might be something going on carol might be having some kind of alcohol problem simply because of the way she was acting and how she got all defensive uh when when he came upon her in the bar so a lot of adult issues going on here being referenced here between wife beatings and uh alcoholism all it's all seeping its way into the avengers here homelessness right the whole thing um let's see so uh, basically uh let's see uh so justice we back to justice and firestar and they uh put a stop to whirlwind and they do it uh because i guess whirlwind already escaped and tried to do another bank robbery oh i think that's what it was like they had so much shit going on that whirlwind actually escaped in the beginning because there was just too many avengers just too crowded which has led, led when to the you're team letting whirlwind to escape down. you've got some problems 
Yeah, I'd say. Uh, but uh, Justice and Firestar, they are able to take out Whirlwind and do so uh, without causing too much damage as Hawkeye, it looks like Hawkeye had followed them and he's impressed. Hawkeye is very impressed. So he's going to bring them back to the mansion and uh, kind of talk them up. Um, now at this meeting here, Tony nixes the idea of, of Miss Marvel, who is Carol's current name. Uh, and they're like, well, why? Well, like she seems great. Like she's got great power. She's been an Avenger before. She's a great leader, all this stuff. And he's like, all right, well, I don't want to say it since I'm not sure, so I'm just going to withdraw it's my reservations. Go ahead. It's called Alcoholics Anonymous, Tony. Yeah, keep it yeah, anonymous. It, he doesn't want to out her, and at the end of the day, he has no proof. He just had a feeling, so he doesn't want to uh, you know, go accusing her of that, so he's like, you know what? I, 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 I lift my objection. Uh, so we now have six Avengers with Captain Marvel as well. Uh, only two spots left. Uh, so now, again, and again, Hawkeye is very impressed, impressed with Justice and Firestar. What was that? Now, I was just thinking, like, what is her name at this point? Because I see her right now as Miss Marvel. But she was binary, but I think she becomes Miss Marvel. I think so in this run. I think think she ends up going with Miss Marvel. This is what really brings her back into, like, being top Marvel quality stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now Hawkeye shows up at the mansion, and he presents Justice and Firestar. He's like, look... These guys just stopped Whirlwind. I really I saw them. I saw them in action. These are good kids, and they should they deserve to be Avengers. And Captain America is like, well, here's the thing: we only have seven spots, uh, and you got you got two of them here. We already have six taken. And Hawkeye, the seventh was for you. We were saving that for you. So how are you? You know, we don't have enough. And it's going to seem a little silly to me because it's like corporate the nonsense. Seven, the number of seven was completely arbitrary. Like, yeah, we wanted to slim down for 39, but there's no reason it had to be seven and not like eight or nine or whatever. But anyway, Captain really wants to stick to this number of seven. Uh, so they're doing it. And now Firestar's kind of pissed. She's like, this is bullshit. Well, whatever. We're out of here. Thanks for the help, Hawkeye. But fine. We're, we're going to go do our own thing. And then uh, on the way out, ha- uh, Captain America grabs her arm, which I don't think he could even do today um, in, in these times. But Har- uh, Captain America grabs her arm and he proposes a bit of a compromise. He says, look, we have the seventh spot. It's for Hawkeye. We want Hawkeye to be the seventh Avenger, but we see a lot of potential in you guys. We want you to stick around. You guys can be reserve Avengers, reserve members. So they're going to say they're going to train. They're going to be there. They're not part of the main team, but they're going to be kind of characters who are kind of there in training, which they, I think like, for the purposes to get people like five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, they were. They should have just taken them from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, these are basically the last, the last nine people that would even be involved in the Avengers. Everyone else, all 30 of everyone else basically was like, nah, we ain't doing it. So this is basically who they were left with, which is kind of funny. Uh, after all this, everyone basically ch- chose to not be on the team. Uh, but I, I like the addition of these characters in here. Uh, not because I like the characters themselves, but I think it's a good mix where you have these seven veterans, uh, these seven you know veteran heroes. And for a book like this, it's nice to have a couple younger heroes mixed in there uh, for storytelling purposes. And of course, on the way out, we finally get, they're like, all right. And Tony's like, aren't you forgetting something, Captain? Because at the, at the press conference presenting this new team, he's like, aren't you forgetting something? He's like, all right. Like, he's always reluctantly saying, it. he's like, all right, I'll say it, I'll say it. And finally, on our last panel, Avengers assemble. And then Hawkeye just, just closes this thing out saying, and the crowd goes wild. So here's our new Avengers for this run uh, with uh, by Kurt Busiek and George Perez, which again, will go on for two years, 25 issues of this run. So this is something, you know, if you're, if you're enjoying these issues, if you go back and read one through four, you know, you can stick around with this uh, for a little while. And I, I would recommend doing so. This is really 
one of the it's really my first true Avengers run itself and I think it's just it's just a hell of a run and especially it's a hell of a reintroduction to these characters um, it's really amazing how much they were able to do in just four short issues uh, especially considering the fourth issue was just just picking the new Avengers so really the, the first arc was just in those three issues and it never felt rushed it just it all felt perfectly timed it all felt perfectly natural it felt epic but never you never got bogged down in it I just loved it overall with that being said Ramzo I know you had some criticisms as well so why don't we why don't you hear some of those first before I give my grade because as we know the grades are super fluid. The, the grades can change as we go and my grade may even be influenced by the things you bring. Our grades are gender fluid non-binary. They are. They're inclusive. all they're fluid in every way. Um, I, I do want to say to kind of just add on to your remarks uh, a lot of our listeners are Justice League Unlimited fans and for me that was one of my favorite uh, animated series. Um, if you like Justice League Unlimited, what I will say is I think a lot of inspiration was taken from this Avengers run. Um, I mean, really, in the way that things are done, you're going to see a lot of similarities. You see more similarities between this run and Justice League Unlimited than you do with a lot of the Justice League comics, uh, you know, that were that were coming out before that series even hit the air after two seasons of the Justice League animated show. So, I mean, if you like that, you're going to like this with an Avengers Marvel flair in terms of my score. I mentioned it earlier. When it comes to story, I look at two things. One, is this great for new readers to pick up and jump into? And is this good for veterans? I got to say, it's got high remarks on both. But Busick, his dialogue clogs up so much of Perez's art. In many ways, I, I really like the dialogue. It's really catchy. As you know, Mark had to kind of jump in between a lot of it because there's just so much there. But that is part of the problem. There's just so much there, and sometimes it's just unnecessary. I think the dialogue clogs up the book sometimes. Uh, because of that, I'm going to give this a uh, a 4.5 because I really think it's it's hit those. It's probably not one of my most favorite stories, but I think it it, it gets my own categories uh you know on on both so i want to be consistent i'm gonna give it a 4.5 uh for the art this is that's not bad for something you just told me you had criticisms of (laughs) because i mean a 4.5 yeah so you really oh you're 4.5 out of yeah no that's right yeah i mean it it, that that is my big criticism it's it's one reason like in in our first episode looking at that uh um that X-Men run with Jim Lee and Claremont. It's like Lee's art is what you remember. Claremont's story and everything is just so wordy. It clogs it up. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 in terms of the art. Um, it's great Perez work. It's not my favorite Perez work. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I don't, I don't feel like when I look at this, if I'm going to pull out examples of George Perez doing stuff, I don't think it's going to be from this run. It's not to say that it's bad. It's just to say that knowing what he can do, this is good. It's not his best. And that's not, I'm, that's not a knock on it. So I'm going to give it a four for a total score of 8.5 out of 10. All right. So I've, I will. <laughs> so, well, okay. Let's start if with I the give writing. this a higher score than you, then that's weird. That would be weird. I don't think that's what's going to happen. No. Uh, I, I'll start with the writing, though. I would. I'm going to probably say. See, I, I love this run. Uh, I love the book. Uh, I I love everything about these four issues. Uh, but I think as a view, if I was going to criticize one thing, it would just be maybe a little bit of the overwordiness of the dialogue at times. It's clunky. Um, I, th- I think it mostly works and is mostly needed, but that's why it's only coming off as a, a 0.5 deduction, just like you. So I'm going to agree with you on the writing. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. Really, really damn good. Not perfect. Uh, where I'm going to disagree with you slightly, 
this is one of my favorite works from George Perez. This, this to me is something I would show people as a seminal George Perez work. Uh, I think the detail here is just incredible off the charts. Uh, in every single panel, there is just, I find something that is, that really pulls me into a character in a different way. And so much is done without even needing the dialogue, which maybe makes extensive dialogue stand out a little more. Uh, I, I give this art a five. Like this is perfect. This is amazing. George Perez to me, this is George Perez at his absolute best. So I am kind of curious what you might point out as as more of his best because to me this is just as good as his art in Crisis on, on Infinite Earths. I, I think it's it's right right on, completely on par with it. Uh, maybe not quite as epic of an, as a story. Pretty damn close though, and maybe not dealing with as many characters because I think he probably drew hundreds of characters in that story. But but uh, pretty damn close and pretty darn impressive. So to me, I, I can't criticize this art really at all. Uh, so I, I'm going to give the art a five, the writing at a four point five. I end up at a nine point five, which is higher than I thought I would end up going in. It really is. Like I, I remembered liking this. I remember enjoying it, but as I talk about it, as often happens with these things, the more I discuss it, I can't really find, and I, if I can't find even little flaws, how, who am I? Who am I to just arbitrarily knock something down a point or two? Cause I just feel like 9.5 seems too high. If you told me I gave this a 9.5, like before I read it, I'd be like, wow, that seems too high. But now that I've read it and gone through the process, it doesn't seem too high. This is, this is what comics should be. This is everything comics should be. Uh, it's not perfect, but that's why it's 9.5 and not a 10. Well, there you go. I don't think we're, I don't think we're too off. No, we're really not. We're really just quibbling over the greatness of George Perez while agreeing it's all great. So um, I, I will say, no matter what, uh, based on our system of grading, let's see, you got 8.5 and a 9.5. That brings us to a 18 out of 20 yes. total. That is well, well, well within the highly recommended range. I think we both agree. You should definitely read this if you're a comics fan, period. Yeah, Absolutely. We really should be getting some commissions from Marvel, Marvel Unlimited for, for sending people over there because it's it's really the best bang for your buck. With all the with all the shit I say, I think they're like, no, nah, it's about even. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, if you with all the Hickman trash talking you guys have been doing, no, I think we're square here. Actually, we hear what you said about Riri Williams. We will not tolerate this bullshit. Yeah, I think if you pay for it annually, Marvel Unlimited is something like six dollars a month. Uh, it's like the price of a book and a half for Marvel oh, nowadays. And they, so and they do the sales too. Yeah, I mean, catch them on a sale, so you're doing even better. So uh, I think you did catch it on a sale, too. Like I, got, I think it's maybe I got like, like five bucks a well, month. I got like two months free. I think it was $60 for the year. I think that's what it which, ended up being. Yeah, which, which, which comes basically yeah, I mean, two months it's, for free. It was, it was, it's good. And they're all, they've, they've always been doing this. Yeah, you, you cannot go wrong with Marvel Unlimited. Uh, and I can't think of a better way to just dive into a run like this because if you're anything like me and you read these four issues, you're going to want to keep going. Like, it, this is just really fun. Uh, so I'm going to keep digging back into this run, I think, over the next few weeks. And then uh, maybe I'll pop over onto that Patreon and, and give my thoughts on the, the overall entirety of, of the run itself. Uh, but until then, Remzo, do you have any last words for our fair listeners? Please, it costs you nothing, but it means everything to us. A five-star rating and review on iTunes, iTunes specifically, Apple Podcasts. It will help us expand our show, get new listeners, have so much fun and awesomeness in the process gets us on those trending charts. If you haven't already, it costs you like five seconds of your time, but it means everything to us. And please, you've got regular content. Are you into cosplay? Are you into fan films? Are you into animation? Are you into reviews? Do you want to catch up on old episodes of the show? Secondprintcomics.com. That's secondprintcomics.com. Check it out today and share it with a friend. Indeed, indeed. And uh, that's all I've got. So until next time, I only have one thing to leave you with. I would like to implore you to just do one thing. That's to read comics. And what, Ramsey? Change the world! Good night, America. Adios.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.